welcome to episode 8. Today we've got two vile vehicular violations on video with 2015's Wrecker and 1977's The Car. So get behind the wheel and pray the devil's not in the engine because it's time for Frightful Failures! Have you seen that movie? Have you seen that movie, Borat? Have oh I, my gosh. Have I seen the comedy from Sasha Baron Cohen from like 2003? Yes. yes. I, How I, did I, they find that guy? He's so funny, that Borat guy. Yes, like, I, how did they find him? And they bring him in and put him in all these silly situations. And he's always like, ah, my, my sister, I have sex with her. It's so... I don't, did they put him in any other things? Do you... Th when you watch things on TV, do you, is, mm -hmm. do you just assume everything's real? Is that, like, cartoons? And, is that all real to you? Is that is that how you think it works? Usually. Are, th are things not really real? Like, is Trump not the president? Oh, look how timely you are. I can't wait for four years from now for us to listen back and go, yikes, what a fucking timely reference. Well, we are very edgy on this show. We're getting we started early edgy. with the edge. We want to get those uh, those blades sharpened, baby. Oh, the, 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 the ultimate podcast that the libtards can't handle. This is... <laughs> they can't. All you cucks out there, don't worry. We'll f*** your wives and girlfriends on audio medium for you to that's listen true. to afterwards. If nothing okay? else, that's the new tagline for the show. <clears throat> yes. All right. Well, why don't we get started? Yes, let's. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frightful Failures. I am one half your ghost host with the most, Zach Romero. Joining me, as always, your other ghost host with the most, T.N. Guignol. Hi. And T.N., what a show we've uh, we've subjected ourselves here. Yeah, this today. is... um. This is, uh, once again, I mean, I feel like that's the opening to every uh, episode is, this isn't your average episode. I guess none of them are your average episode. No. But what sets this one apart is that, uh, at least speaking for myself, and can I just speak for myself here? I didn't mind one of these movies, and I thought the other one was just unbearably awful and we'll let the uh voters uh just sort of cast their their little vote if you could just press on your pin pad right now and vote on <laughs> which you Again. think okay first of all uh -huh. so the borat opening and now like season one american idol is what <laughs> i was thinking more like a uh, time stream i was thinking more like like uh, like, like, who, like who wants to be a millionaire like press oh, on yeah, your pin true. pad ladies and gentlemen uh, Michael here needs your help, audience. Again, what a timely reference. Again, did you Thank slip you. through a time stream? Am I talking to TN from like 2002? Yes. Hello, Zach. Um, you're going to die in seven days. Oh, wait, All I'm right, from well, the past. You're even edgier. You're even edgier. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes. Uh, once again, TN picked a more modern film. I picked an older film. We both tried to uh, base it around the same general theme. And the general theme for this episode is we should have just fucking watched Maximum Overdrive again. Mm -hmm. So, uh... Yeah, that is the theme, is uh, let's just watch Maximum Overdrive twice, or let's compare Maximum Overdrive to Christine. Why did we not just do that? 
That's a great question. Uh, yeah. So, Tien, please walk us through uh, the the first film here in our in our double feature showcase. Yes, we'll be starting off with the more recent film, a film known as Wrecker from 2015, uh, also known as uh, Driver from Hell, which I generally think is a better name. It's just it's more on the nose, I think. Wrecker, really well. Well, the thing about Wrecker is it's Wreck It Ralph three. Ralph breaks the reckoning to 20 somethings. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, so the, the plot well, essentially, well, Tien, wait a minute. You, yeah, you mentioned sure. something interesting there with the title. Okay. Um, I think that's a sign of the times because if this was 1970 something and this movie had come out, you definitely would have wanted to call it. What, what was the other name? Hell on devil driver. Uh, 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 yeah. Hell driver on from wheels. Hell? Driver from hell. Um, <clears throat> it's called that would have grabbed, that would have grabbed a lot more attention, but now in 2015, when this movie was made, I guess you just want to go with the title that's just going to be sort of generic and could maybe trick people on Netflix or something. Like that's maybe what you want to shoot for. Is this like I, it's oatmeal? I, <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like that is a legitimate, unironic marketing tactic nowadays. That to the the old trick you on Netflix routine. Uh, because I, I think that th there is probably a, a certain amount, I, I don't know the specifics of it, but in terms of renewing your contract with Netflix and getting paid again to have your movie stay up on Netflix, you'd have to hit a certain view threshold. And to do oh, that, wait. you'd have to trick a certain amount of people into thinking your movie isn't dog shit. So. Yeah, I was say, you have two options. Either make a good movie or trick people. So, yes. I mean, you know, those are your two options. So, so if you don't have uh, Exorcist or um, like an American Ghost Story or something generic like that, then you go with Wrecker. <laughs> so um, the plot of Wrecker is pretty simple. It's uh, two 20-somethings, as we said. Uh, they are on a road trip together. Uh, they're going to go get laid, I guess. Um, and they encounter a giant sort of run-down tow truck uh, which is not driven by the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. Uh, it's driven by some sort of anonymous redneck that you never really see. And the truck just kind of stalks them down these country roads, uh, follows them and, and uh, you know, uh, fills them with various types of dread and terror. And yeah, that's the whole plot. That's the whole plot. Now, Tien, I want to start by saying that this particular film has me very confused. I, I want to start by saying, country roads take me home to well, the I also, place. I also want to say... I belong West I, Virginia, Mountain If we're doing highway. terrible bits... What? If, I didn't know that was the, 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 the topic right now. If we're doing terrible bits... <laughs> what do you, have you going, are you just joining in I with was, this show? I was going to say... <laughs> I had it in my head like, ah, ha, ha, I'll go with the classic Wrecker, damn near killed her. And I was like, that's not the joke. It's Rectum, not Wrecker. So I couldn't even use that. I, I really, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I wanted that joke, but I decided to go wreck it, Ralph. You know, I feel like I have right. scratched, scratched out in my notebook, you know, Wrecker, damn near uh, ran her over and, right. and replaced all Wrecker, okay. Ralph. By the way, did but you anyway, see so Ralph film... Breaks the Internet? No, uh, I don't see movies. Um, mm. No, but this movie, this particular film, has me very, very confused, Ian. And okay, I'm hoping that fine. you can you can answer this. You can help me with this. I'll be wrap my head around this. Sure. Uh, because, you see, I was under the impression 
that you and I are friends. Yes. You see, we do th- we do this show. We went we went to a, a horror convention. We met Mick Foley. Like I thought this was like a friendly yeah. sort of a thing. Well, I don't know uh, why you get and, that impression, and, but and then you send me Wrecker to yeah. watch, mm-hmm. which is a movie that's so fucking stupid. I don't know how else to view it other than a hate crime specifically directed towards me. So that's yeah. what's got me confused. Is now I'm reevaluating this whole show, our friendship. I feel like I'm being personally attacked. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and I don't blame you. I, I certainly don't blame you. I mean, there is, I guess, an aspect to this show that is sort of sadomasochistic. It's like, uh, it's like you and I are kind of putting each other in like chastity cages and whipping each other, and 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 it's 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 akin to that, I would say. But in, but instead of instead of uh, uh, you know a decent heft to a whip or uh or or cat of nine tails instead it's just terrible acting and even worse premises Hmm, that's really what we're whipping each other with so let's start like from the very beginning of this thing sure so the movie starts with uh this like opening driving montage of as you said these two 20 something white women and right away we're hit with one of them is the party girl because she is drinking beer while they're driving and chain smoking joints uh which as you do and then her friend is like the typical wet blanket and is like not here to have fun uh meanwhile as they're driving through this opening credit montage we hear like a dollar store Nicki minaj song playing about like oh boys you can't get in unless we tell you you can get in and we live fast and but and it goes on forever and that was when I knew I was like, oh, I'm gonna fucking hate this movie. Like, can we pick him up? No, we are not picking anybody up. This road is like it's a magnet for serial killers. You know that? Opening credit sequence, let me in on the secret. I was going to goddamn despise this film. Now, that said, in terms of uh, specifically discussing the opening, there is a cold open, as you would expect with a lot of modern horror films, where you get unrelated characters. And, you know, Zach, what would you assume was going to happen if you see two characters that are kind of introduced with targets on their back saying... These aren't the protagonists. They're fucking old. They don't got big titties. Like, these aren't the characters you're going to follow throughout the film. What do you assume is going to happen to them in the cold open of a horror film? Uh, I would assume that, much like ripping off, like, Scream or something like that, that they would be brutally murdered so that we kind of have a a preview of our killer. Yes, uh, and, and that is a shared presumption that you, that excellent. you have. Excellent. I, I agree with you. And in this movie... Uh, the two just kind of have a conversation vaguely about some kind of menace that could hypothetically happen in the setting that we're in right now, and then it just cuts to black. You making the call? Yes, but it would help if I could get some reception. How's it look? Not good. Engine's cooked. You remember what that station attendant called this stretch of road, dear? Call the devil's past, Frank. Why? So... Yeah, uh, they, they they actually started a theme that I noticed of this film, which is the movie 
presenting mild inconvenience as tension-building horror. Mm, oh, yes. Because these two middle-aged white people are just standing on the side of the road, and the husband's like, Ah, oh, damn it, I can't fix the engine. Darn it, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and, but the movie soundtrack is like, What are they going to do now? And then we cut to black. And that theme kind of carries on throughout the film of just, Hey, these are very mundane annoyances that the film is treating as a very serious concern and is trying to build tension around these mild inconveniences. Yes, yes. And I gotta ask, sort of straight out the gate here, who is the demographic for this film? And I say, when I say that, when I ask you that, I mean specifically, why is this film at the same time it rated PG, but also a hard R? Why, why is the language in this film so severe, and yet blood is treated like we can't we can't show that no 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 we can't show that i i don't understand it reminds me of the uh the horror parody film student bodies in which they've figured out that horror movies have to be r-rated in order to achieve a certain level of fame although that's not entirely true now now it's more like pg-13 but if you're going to be a horror movie and you're going to grab attention, you have to be rated R. But, like, it feels like none of the actresses agreed to do nudity and they couldn't have a budget for blood. So they were like, well, how are we going to be R-rated if we don't have these things? And it was like, everyone just has Tourette's and they swear a lot. That's what we'll, That's how we'll get around it. That's yeah. the only explanation I can think of. I, I don't understand. Uh, the, I have so many questions about this film. Let's just kind of continue to walk our way through it here. So, as Zach said, a lot of mild inconveniences. I mean, my God, at one point, uh, closer to the end of the film, when our final girl's check engine light comes on, she treats that as if all four of her tires have just blown out at the same time. It's I've been driving around with my check engine light on for like four years. <laughs> It's just about to say the same thing. Of all the elements of this film that are, like, testing my suspension of disbelief, that was number one on the list. Like, the check engine light comes on and she's like, oh, I'm fucked now. And I was like, no, that's just life, baby. Especially, like, if you're, God help you if you're, like, an independent wrestler. It's like, no, that just comes, that's part yeah. of the course. Here's the like, trick, babe. Mm. Just turn up the radio when the check engine light comes on. Exactly. That's the number one suspicious trick. Suspicious noises. You hear something weird and you go, oh, I'm done with this. You, you turn up the Sirius XM preview channel that you've had since <laughs> right. you bought the car. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Yeah, that's how you solve that problem. Um, and that was the other thing, too, is... Early in the film, they stop off at a gas station and, like, the attendant there warns them about that. They're like, oh, you're running low on oil. Your your engine might seize up. And I kept waiting for that. I was like, oh, that's clearly a MacGuffin. But it really doesn't. It doesn't really come into play. Um, but, yeah, when the check engine light comes on, she's like, oh, God, which I actually have what that is a cliche of that I will talk about in a minute. Sure. But yes, you're absolutely right. Of all the things, that was what I found most difficult to swallow was, oh, that the check engine light is really a problem. It's like, dude, I've driven so long between oil changes once that the car place I took it to refused to service the car. Like, they were like, it's been, you've ruined this. There's no way we're doing this. So that meant nothing to me. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of our final girl, by the way, uh, yes. you want some real 
hot, sexy irony. So imagine this. You're an actress in Hollywood, and you get cast in what I personally consider to be a once-in-a-lifetime role that actually breaks down a specific archetype and stereotype in horror movies, and you play that character, and you help kind of redefine, almost, roles that women should be playing in movies and kind of, like, shine a spotlight on what a woman's role in a horror movie should be. And if you haven't gathered yet, I'm referring to our final girl was in Cabin in the Woods. And then you go on a couple years later and you just keep doing generic roles in horror movies. Oh my god, she was! Yes! Oh Jesus, that makes this film a thousand times worse! Absolutely. Also, here's a question. Why did we have to know about that her and her boyfriend were having trouble? What did that add to the film at all? Because that's how you relate. And you say, well, I don't want her to die because I, me, T, and Gagnol sitting at home, I'm having trouble with my boyfriend. And right, that I, he may be cheating on you with he might be cheating someone on me. from the office, maybe? Yeah, John Krasinski. Exactly. So, uh, TM brought it up earlier. So, essentially, the, the whole premise of this, of this horror film is that there's this magic, evil, satanic tow truck that is just chasing these two girls down through the whole movie. But basically, if you remember that pretty good episode of The Twilight Zone, The Hitchhiker, where the lady's just driving and she keeps seeing the same hitchhiker no matter where she's driving, imagine that premise, but you stretch it out for an hour and 20 minutes and you don't have a good twist. That is what this movie basically is. They keep driving, they poo-poo in their pants when they see the tow truck because it's real scary, they pull over somewhere, then they drive again, and then the tow truck finds them again. That's basically just rinse and repeat several times throughout this movie. I will give one singular compliment to this movie because it's the Ooh. only thing that I liked about it at all. And it is that occasionally, and they, they overplay it because I think they realize that they liked it and so they do it a lot. Because anytime they have a POV shot from inside the tow truck... Um, your 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 clue is, as Zach said, that it is satanic. And it's a real subtle clue. There's right. an inverted... Blink and you miss it. <laughs> yeah, there's an inverted cross, and there's an inverted pentagram that are both hanging from the rear view. And they're both made of, like, wood. And so you get this really nice kind of, like, ASMR, like, the wood clicking together when you get in True. a POV shot. And it's kind of eerie, and, yeah, it, and would, it makes would... you really wonder what... It, you know the backstory of the driver. I, I would ag- I would agree with that completely. I liked the POV shot. I liked that that was as much as we got as in terms of like no, this is satanic. This is a scary thing. Um, I did I did like that, but I also agree that obviously once they figured that out, they were like, oh, we're just gonna spam the shit out of this. Like that was their big, ooh, it's scary. Um, also, attempting to do a jump scare with a giant truck is is very very silly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to claim this is the only horror movie that's ever attempted that. I feel like there's a lot of horror films, like I know what you did last summer, and you know true. things like that 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 pull off like a hey, the cops talking to you at your window, and then the truck runs by and kills them. Honestly, I I really just go ahead and ask you my main question that okay. I have about this film that I kind of came to as we came to the conclusion of this film because and it sounds like we're rushing through this truly we are not we are saving you from falling asleep to, to yeah, discuss no, the film kind is of super repetitive it drags and drags and drags and drags it is it it goes on for so so long and so when we kind of are getting closer to the conclusion of the film 
my question is, if you were making a film in which your antagonist is a tow truck mm-hmm. and in which your protagonists are in a car through most of the movie, would you or would you not have a budget to wreck a car slash have stunt drivers and know that you were going to be pulling off some kind of a car stunt in which you probably wreck one or two cars? You would think that. And yet every car is perfectly intact in this film. So d- can I talk about the ending or was there something else you wanted to, to get to in this jam packed film? My question is there's a part where we're trying to build tension and uh, the car, uh, the, the girl, the final girl blows a tire and uh, she goes to replace the tire. She takes the tire off and then the spooky tow truck shows back up. So the girls run away and then they like, get knocked out or something like that. And when the final girl wakes up, her friend is missing, but then she hops in the car and drives, meaning the devil tow truck replaced her tire. And so didn't kill her. So, so, uh, the director of the film, if you asked him that question would probably, his answer would probably be why, uh, Oh, hang on. I got to do like a Canadian. Why? Yes. Uh, so yeah, the tow truck driver, he, he, uh, fixed the car because for him, it's all about the chase and he wanted her to go again so he could chase her. So that's how kind of messed up he is. In reality, I think it's just a goof and they just forgot to address that in the film. I think that's Yeah, we've all seen Birdemic. It's fine. It happens. Yes. Yes. Um, but oh yes, Tim, please talk about the ending because I want to, uh, blow the lid off this whole movie. So Yes. yes, please talk about the ending. And by the way, I do want to just confirm real quick. Uh, I mean, you could timestamp it. I mean, you get through halfway of this film and not a single person has even gotten a hangnail. Like there has been... Yeah, true. No one has gotten uh, an ouchie. No one has died. Uh, there's been some implied death, but that's it. And you would think yeah. in a horror film you do a little more than implication when it comes to the kills. You would um, think so. So when 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 the the scene that Zach was referring to, when the final girl does fall down and hit her head, that's the first blood you see in the whole movie. That's true. So yeah. So the ending. So we finally get to a point where the final girl is going to, uh, you know, put her foot down. Yeah, she's literally on the gas pedal. Oh and god, damn you! She is going to turn this car around. If you two don't cut it out back there, <laughs> and she is going to um, play chicken with the tow truck driver because she believes in her little Mustang that this enormous giant truck will indeed chicken out. This enormous giant truck that she has watched run somebody over in cold blood. And um, also, by the way, this giant truck that even when it has another car attached to it can keep up with a fully operational Mustang, yes. by the way. Yeah, but we don't address that. That the the tow truck, which is a thousand times bigger than this goddamn Mustang, is able to keep up just fine with it, regardless of engine size or capability. The driver from hell clearly took his shop in to the family from Fast and the Furious. They That's souped true. it up for him, and uh, now he's part of the family. And I like that uh, yeah, crossover. Yeah. It's a good crossover. Um. So anyway, uh, so yes, they're gonna play so, chicken. So they're playing chicken. And indeed, her plan works. The driver chickens out. He swerves off the road, and then he lands 
uh, kind of uh, Maitland's car style with the front of the car hanging off <laughs> of a cliff. And uh, she parks up next to it. And this is the moment where she hears a phone ring because she's about to go confront this driver phone. She's about to walk up to the driver's door since he's stuck. His front tires are spinning. He, he has no traction. Um, <clears throat> so she is about to walk up there. She hears a phone ring. She walks back to her car thinking it's her phone. She finally has signal. They're out in the boonies. She's had no signal the whole movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, talk about like a reoccurring character. Oh, my the God. The lack of cell phone signal is like basically our main character in the film. They yes. do not stop talking about it. Yeah. So she determines, oh, wait, it's not my phone ringing. So she tracks the source of the sound, determines the cell phone is in the trunk, opens the trunk, we don't see what's inside. Presumably, it is her friend who went yes. missing when she went unconscious. Presumably, it is her friend. And she deed. Once again, it's a horror movie. Why are you not showing anything? Yeah, uh, this isn't true. This isn't fucking, like, Hitchcock. Like, this isn't, like, right. you, you smartly not showing something. Uh-huh, to, uh-huh, yes, you know, it's scarier <clears throat> if we don't show you. No, they're just not. like, we don't have the budget to, to do, like, a body. Um, <clears throat> so... She decides, never mind, I don't even care to confront confront this guy. Gets back in her car and rams the truck off of the cliff. And here's what makes this so special. Is as I referred to earlier, you would think this is the big climax. We're defeating our villain right now. So we have budgeted in that we are going to smash this Mustang into this tow truck. And then we are going to film this shitty old tow truck rolling down a cliff. Nope. Uh, Not only do they not film the actual impact, there is no impact because they needed to go return this car. (laughs) Yeah, they had to return the rental. They didn't have full insurance on it. (laughs) So there is no impact. And also, the shot of the truck rolling down the cliff is hey, I sort of learned something in Sony Vegas and I've got an hour and a half. And they no, paid I think, me. I, th- I think we can all agree they definitely hired somebody from Fiverr to yes. come and, and, and Photoshop this for them. Yeah, I was being a little generous. I thought they they paid somebody exactly thirty two dollars and seventy five cents to uh, edit that shot. But you're right; it probably was Fiverr. And that is our conclusion to the film, pretty much. I mean, there yeah. is one more like stinger for the movie. Like, oh, maybe he's still out there. So fucking obvious. Yeah, but uh, that is pretty much your final shot in the film. Is this really shitty CGI of a tow truck rolling down a cliff yeah. and landing on its side? So my blowing the lid off this thing. Uh, surprisingly enough, this film in 2015. Uh, is actually just a really bad ripoff of, like, Friday the 13th with a tow truck as Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the killer, in this case the, the tow truck, can teleport silently if the script needs it to. Because there's a few different scenes of it just showing up out of nowhere and suddenly it's like, bam, bam, and they're like, oh, where'd it come from? It's like, there's no way you wouldn't hear it rattling down the street as it's, like, coming up behind you. Uh, there's a party girl, there's a wet blanket girl, there's a cheating boyfriend, there's country bumpkins, all cliche characters. Uh, there's literally the final girl, which we talked about. Um, the killer cuts the phone line. She gets a, she gets a pay phone because cell phones don't work in this movie and she's trying to call the police. And then the tow truck comes out of nowhere, smashes the pay phone. 
It's a faceless killer. And then the check engine light that we talked about earlier is basically the final girl twisting her ankle. That's essentially what that cliche is. Because as soon as mm-hmm. she happens, it's like, I can't run anymore. Like, that's what it's trying to do. So, yeah, it's just a really bad Friday the 13th ripoff with a tow truck instead of a hockey mask killer. That is an excellent analysis of this movie. Thank you. I call it a boring piece of shit, and I fell asleep more than once while watching Good. it. Good. It was really bad. Any final thoughts on Driver from Hell, a.k.a. Yes. Wrecker? Um, I think in a film like this, you're, well, first of all, let's just, uh, let's just mention this, that there's uh, supposedly there's mixed information that it may or may not be a remake of The Duel, which was made in the seventies and is Steven Spielberg's first directorial film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people saying this is a remake of it. There's other people saying this is just a ripoff of it. So I don't know. We didn't do enough research to find out which is right, but I'm going to guess it's a ripoff. Um, the other thing is. In a film like this, like TN, let's say you've uh, you have a monkey's paw. You make a wish that you're gonna you want to make a movie. You make a wish. I want to direct a movie, mm-hmm. and the monkey's paw grants you the wish. But of course, the twist is you have to film. You have to uh, direct the movie wrecker. In a case like this, you're so much of the film is depending on who is your lead actress, and so they picked two that super cannot carry a film. Like, if you had two better actresses in this, yeah. you might have been able to make this film more interesting. Sure. But, it's, but their performances are so flat and so lame and so boring that it just... They're the, they're the main focal point. They're the main catalyst of, of so much of the film. And when they're boring, the rest of the film just follows suit. And I'll tell you, you, you I know that you're precisely right because a great example of a movie where the setting is practically the same and the amount of action that happens is practically the same but it's got a fantastic cast and therefore is compelling and interesting and i love it is death proof that's true you're if you want to see it done the same kind of premise but done much more interestingly i won't say it's like my absolute favorite but certainly much more interesting than this and that's part of the issue as well is that the movie does nothing to connect us to these characters or make us give a shit as tn joked earlier the whole purpose of like the main girl talking on the phone for a scene like oh my boyfriend's kind of a jerk is to try to get you to connect with them but there's nothing there they're just cardboard cutouts sitting in a mustang so we don't care when people die we don't care when they're being chased we're just waiting for the film to end Fantastic. Well, um, if I never saw another shot of a car in a movie, I think it would be too soon. That's yeah, right that for really you bad. guys. That's <laughs> really bad. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. Okay, hello. Uh, great great to have everybody here. Um, so, uh, this is our commercial. Oh, this is a weird sort of... It's, okay, we, we got like 60 seconds or something, Bill. So, let's just get into it. T-shirts. Um, you guys like T-shirts? All sorts of pop culture? You guys like them? It's, it's, the, it's, po- it's popcornpopcultureshirts.org. Yes. Slash popcorn. biz. We couldn't get the dot .com and we couldn't we couldn't do it. So, uh, it's, it's .org dot, dot .biz. Two dots, and, dot and dot we, biz. And we got we got all kind. We got every shirt you're ever gonna want. You have you, all the same. So you like um you like uh, Avengers. Well, how about we we have the Avengers, but like but there's like cereal. It's Avengers on cereal. Is that is that like a good one? Yeah. You you want to show how much of an individual you are? How? Yes. Look at this. Look, it's it's Yoda sitting on 
the throne of swords, but they're the lightsabers instead. Yes, yes, you see, if you like that, and then if you, but he's like he's small, like Tyrion Lannister, so that's like it's it, it's kind of it's an inside joke. Like not right. everybody it's will very, get it. It's very clever. It's a yes. very clever tea. A great. We got shirts that are conversation starters. Oh my, yes, like if you're out and you're having like a drink and somebody come up to you and they say like, look at your shirt. And you say, I know I bought it. I love this shirt. And they you, say, you like Marvel movies? You like literally the most grossing films of all time right now? I also like those. You Look, man, it's not 1994 anymore you can't go around wearing a who's farted who farted shirt you can't you, gotta, you can't you wear that with, no you got to get with the times so just this spring we debuted where are the abortions at shirt oh yes that's it's been a real very, conversation starter yeah it's been uh, let's put it in lightly it's kind of an understanding i i i've personally have stopped wearing that shirt out in public but i mean if you 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 do I, you, I wear you my, know? I, I wear mine as a crop top yes um we just now we're going to be doing new shirts we're going to have the Joaquin Phoenix Joker with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, but like he's also got the stupid tattoos on his face. So like I think it's a good, it's a like, but also Deadpool is in the background and he's kind of laughing and he got he put like a sign on Joaquin's Phoenix and it says like kick me or something because you know he's kind of like a rebel. That one's still in production. We're still working the kinks out. It's a little busy, I say. It's a little busy. A little, lot going on. That's our on. tagline. Come to the popcorn pop culture t-shirt shop.org.biz. It's a little it's busy. It's a little busy. Yeah, we're working on the website. Okay, we'll see you there. Welcome back to Frightful Fairs. Thanks to our sponsor, as always. And so uh, my selection, based upon... Uh, trying to kind of match whatever TN has uh, dredged up, was 1977's The Car, starring James Brolin. Um, now, I, again, as usual, didn't really do any research on it. I just saw that it was another movie about an evil vehicle and just sort of snagged that, and uh, and we watched it. And so let, I guess I'll do like kind of a brief rundown of the plot of this film. Um, so essentially... Uh, James Brolin plays a sheriff in like kind of a small town in Utah and out of nowhere this like devil car rolls into town and I don't mean devil like maximum overdrive like it's got a big devil on it it's this sleek black like Lincoln Continental and it just rolls into town and just starts murdering people and just running people off the road and just brutally killing people in this town and so the sheriff and the deputies are trying to figure out, like, who's doing this? Who's running these people down? And uh, eventually it just tears through more and more people. And finally they kind of corner the car and realize that maybe there isn't anybody behind the wheel. That maybe the car is just plain evil. And then they end up uh, trying to dispose of it as best they can and rid their little town of evil on four wheels. Uh, this film is very 70s, I will say. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, I want to start with this analogy. So if Wrecker stole the gimmick from Friday the 13th, the car is definitely a ripoff of Jaws. 
because Jaws came out two years earlier. Yeah. And this no, film is fair. super Jaws. It even has like kind of a dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun sort of theme we see from the point of view of the evil car. Like, the, the uh, even the opening. The opening is these two teenagers on bikes like going to ride for like a picnic or something like that. But it's very similar to the girl sw- going skinny dipping in the beginning and then we see the the creature kind of show up and fuck them up. And so they're very, very similar in that in that regard, in terms of like a lot of beats, a lot of character ideas. This is definitely Jaws on land. But that being said, it's not awful. It really isn't. So there's your 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 big spoiler for the episode is that uh, we watch two movies featuring uh, mostly anonymous one because you never see the driver's face and one because there is no driver in this film vehicles slaying people and uh, terrorizing people and one is just unbearably bad and one is not so bad so let's talk about it um here i would say if you want the definitive difference between these two films i can i can sum it up in one scene in the very beginning of this film at the six minute and 42 second mark our devil car in the car from 1977 murders two teenagers by ramming them off a bridge to their deaths. And before the devil car rides away, the camera pans down to the tailpipe. And I kid you not, the car fucking farts. I double checked at six minutes and 42 seconds, the car fucking farts. Because the car says, fuck you, to these two teenagers, and it goddamn farts. And I don't mean like, <laughs> oh, it kind of like back chokes or some whatever car term. No, it's literally a fart sound out of the tailpipe as it drives off into the desert. And as soon as I saw that, unlike the cheap dollar store Nicki Minaj montage and Wrecker, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, film, you have my attention. What are we doing? Because that is buck wild. You had my curiosity. <laughs> now you have, now my, you have my attention. Now farting evil car, you have my attention. <laughs> so, um, one thing I discovered and enjoyed about this movie kind of almost immediately, straight off the bat, by the second scene that featured dialogue, is there's this real kind of authentic weirdness to the dialogue in it that I thought was almost very natural to how people are just kind of weird and unscripted in real life. I agree. So many characters say and do weird things, but here's the difference. Instead of using, oh, I'm calling a significant other and I'm having a dramatic moment, please connect with me. Instead, it's, how about every character in this movie be kind of weird so that they're all memorable in their own way and you don't want them to die? Yeah. Because, yeah, as Tien's referring to, we meet, like, Johnny Hornblower, who's just (laughs) hitchhiking home randomly and just playing the French horn. And in the most 70s part of this film, a character who we are introduced to who is beating his wife out in the open, in the driveway, is genuinely beating his wife, then yells at Johnny Hornblower to, like, get the fuck out of here, or I'm going to stick that horn up your ass, and you'll be farting music for a year, to which Johnny Hornblower goes, that would be hilarious if I could fart music for a year. There's some real deep uh, themes. I I would say motifs would be a better word. Uh, One being farting. And the other being 
brass instruments are kind of a weird theme in this movie because not only do you have like very specific conversation about this guy's instrument and how it's a French horn, it's not a bugle, he's playing it, but then there's like a whole uh, section of like a marching band later yeah, on. true. And the movie's actual soundtrack has a lot of horn in it. Yeah. And like that dun-dun, the Jaws appropriation in this is very horn-heavy. And there's this weird kind of brass theme throughout to go along with it's the a, farting. It's a it's very horny movie. It is a super horny movie, yes. So, so instead of me just interrupting you every 10 seconds to like gush about more stuff, let's just run down some like particularly weird things that stuck out to you in terms of character stuff in this film. You go first. Okay, so first off, I will say Josh Brolin is kind of an amazing actor. I mean, I didn't realize until I saw him in this, he looks like he's like mid-30s in this, but then in more recent films, like, uh, you know, like No Country for Old Men, he still looks mid-30s, and I'm you know, like, damn, I, Josh Brolin, you you, you looking good. Again, I, I feel like we're like friendly here, and this is like a friend, like a nice thing. And I'm like super excited to talk about this weird film. And I throw it to you and you piss all over my feet. That's really what happened. Shut the fuck up. Please saying. actually talk okay, about the movie. Okay, hold on. So, and not like, oh, I thought he was good in Jonah Hex, but who did he do? Like, no, please just fucking talk about the movie. Why is it that Josh Brolin, when he's in Tron Legacy, he looks <laughs> Are we going to do this? Old Are you going to just young. run through a different actor's filmography? Why is it that oh, when Josh Brolin... I guess he is Josh a Brolin is, No, no. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt your stupid thing with another stupid joke. Oh, I guess he is a time traveler like when he was fucking Cable because he's so young and ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Fuck I, you, I just think his transformations are amazing. When he's in The Big Lebowski, which I think God. is arguably Josh Brolin's <laughs> best film, I think he looks way different than when he got huge and buff to play Thanos. I fucking hate you. Can we please talk about the actual movie? Okay, so um, when you meet uh, James Rowland's character, this is another example of the sort of weirdness that you get. Um, it's this very kind of cute uh, scene between him and this woman that he's now seeing after being separated from his wife, and he has these two young daughters, and he's sort of keeping their relationship uh, secret from his daughters because he doesn't want to bring her in and complicate it and have, like, new mommy sort of shit. Right, which um, is understandable. Yes, um, and so automatically you're kind of understanding and relating to this character and plus they're being just kind of cute and silly in a way that is real you know they're doing sort of characters back and forth and you know pretend like oh, stick them up i'm gonna sneak out of here it's it's very it's very cute and it i think it kind of effortlessly establishes character and makes you as you said not want to see these people horrifically die or at the very least not be completely apathetic to them being run over by a mm -hmm. car and have their mm -hmm. head smashed like a watermelon um so yeah I, I think that uh, each point that we kind of hit with this movie is going to have another like check against you wrecker like did yeah, you do this um, uh, step one, have your, uh, cold open actually kill the people and right. uh, establish the, uh, you know, the threat of your villain in that cold open check, um, uh, actually have your characters have interesting things to say and be, uh, relatable or charming in some way check. 
I mean, I know we're frightful failures. We're gonna like kind of shit on this movie a bit, but uh, okay. You know, well, I don't mean to just I, gush over it. I wanted to give you time, but you you delightfully skipped over the weirdness of the James Brolin opening with this new girlfriend of his. So they're like playfully bantering. They're kind of wrestling around a little bit. Uh, weird thing number one. She's like, hey, I got to get to work because I'm a school teacher and you're the sheriff and it's early in the day. We got to get to work. And he's like, oh, baby, it's cool. We got 10 minutes to fuck. And she's like, we really don't. And he's like, come on, baby. And you're like, oh, it's the 70s, but this is a little weird. And he's like kind of wrestling and chasing her around a little bit. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, we've got seven minutes to fuck. And she's like, what am I dating a stopwatch? And you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then they're wrestling, and then this woman grabs James Brolin by the dick and holds his dick hostage and is like, you gotta get the fuck off of me, because I gotta get to work. And the film was like, what are these two up to? And I'm like, this woman is like stopping a sexual assault at this point. And it's like, no means no, and, motherfucker. And he's kind of work. charmed by it. He's like, oh, where'd you learn that move? I bet this is the the thing that, that uh, charmed all the boys. Well, that's and the other thing, like, too, is that moment's weird. You're like, oh, this woman's grabbing this man's dick in terms of like a negotiation tactic. That's a lot. And then she follows up with, ha ha, I learned this from one of the fourth graders at school. And she's fat, and now she gets all the boys' lunch money because she grabs them by the dick, I guess. <laughs> and she just allows this as a yes. school teacher. And then before you can go, hey, wait a minute, what did you just say? The movie's like, well, anyway, they got to get to work. And they just move on. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, cuteness aside, there's that. And there's also the fact that she is aware that his two young daughters are awake and he seems to not mind fully uh, uncognizant of the fact that they are both ear up against the door listening to them like in a mild kind of flirty sexual assault. Yeah, um, she, she's listening both... to her their dad about to fuck because yeah, they. Yeah, two... I think both of his daughters are aware their dad yeah. fucks. Yeah, they're, these two sweet little angel babies are listening at the door to hear their dad go. But baby, we still have ten minutes to fuck. So yeah, very odd. Um, another weird scene. We see uh, we see this school teacher like helping to prepare the school marching band for this upcoming parade, and uh, I guess the principal comes over and is like teacher lady I have something very serious to talk to you about and she's like what is it and so she hands her this like poster and the teacher unravels the poster and it's a pencil drawing of her the teacher butt ass naked <laughs> drawing on the chalkboard and she's like oh this is Tommy and the principal's like what and she's like he always draws the proportions wrong he's giving me bigger tits than I actually have and the principal's like, you don't think it's odd that a 13-year-old boy is drawing his teacher naked? And she's like, I don't know, man, he's 13. It's the 70s. Who gives a shit? And the movie just kind of plays it off like, she's right. Who gives a shit? I mean, she's not wrong uh, in that a 13-year-old boy is likely to draw his teacher naked. Her reaction to it of being kind of flattered and seeming like she might, like, text him later. Right, yeah, no, the fact that she was like, her first reaction was like, damn, I did wish these titties were bigger, but fiddle-dee-dee. 
Also, can we talk about when the when the scary car corners uh, all the children and the teachers at the parade rehearsal, and it's a very scary and very intense moment. Hey, you! Why don't you get out of your big, ugly car, huh? We'd like to see what you look like. Oh, I got your story now. I see. As long as you're in your car, you're big and you're bad. Come on, let me tell you something, buddy. You know what you are? A chicken! You're a chicken shit! Scum of the earth! Son of a bitch! And, um, the cops show up, and then the car's like, I get the fuck out of here! And the car drives away. That the same principal lady yells, Tadpole! To that car as it drives away. And, like, the they don't, ex- like, nobody goes, Hey, Lady, why did you fucking yell that? Like, why did you yell that at the... Like, it was a racial slur at the car. Why did you do that? No, the movie just moves on. Like, yeah, you know how you yell at things and call them tadpoles? You Like you do? Yeah, she did that to the car. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that the, That's also the scene in which it's established and we start to get, like, more details on the car itself that uh, the teacher lady is standing on is it a cemetery it is it's like a war it's like a broken down cemetery there's like tombstones laid around that's where the kids and the teachers happen to run to when they get scared of this car yes and the car cannot drive onto uh, what they refer to as hallowed grounds in that yeah for some Um, reason it it follows highlander rules i don't know why but mm -hmm. it does i guess it's sort of the equivalent of like the upside down cross in the truck bed of wrecker where it's like oh this is of like an evil mystical element and then there's a fucking old indian woman like there's a native american woman who's like no there's like an evil wind that blew into town and that's what this car is and it's like and the movie goes well there's your explanation right there like that's the <laughs> that's so buck wild to me that that could only exist in the 70s it's like there are three things that can only exist in the 70s in this movie number one the teacher a, a grown woman grabs a man by the dick as a, as, a, as a hostage situation. Number two, a side character is a wife beater, and that doesn't make him the villain of the movie. And number three, the explanation is like, I don't know, man, evil blew into town, and now you got to deal with it. Like, that's genuinely the, the explanation. Like, I don't know, man, evil's out there, and now it's here. The characters at the same time completely accept what this old... Uh, Indian woman is saying, but also kind of simultaneously blow her off in like a casually racist way yeah. of just like, yeah, that old like red woman doesn't know what she's talking about. Right, yeah. Like, get her out of here. Yeah, it's weird. There is like a weird amount of Native American racism in this film. Um, yes. But uh, so anyway, so the car kills these two uh, bicyclists. It kills Johnny Hornblower. Um, it's just kind of raising a ruckus. And then, yeah, at one point, there's supposed to be this like, parade rehearsal, and all the, all the kids from the school and the teachers are there. And then Devil Car comes rolling in, and it's going to try to run over some kids. Um, and the cops sort of chase it off. And they're trying to figure out, like, what's this guy's motive? What is this and that? And they can't figure it out, and it's, like, it's just because it's evil. It's just an evil car. And so, to TN's point about Wrecker... There's a scene when they're like, okay, we've got the car cornered, so we've got two cop cars that are playing chicken with the one devil car. And they're like, well, clearly he's going to turn off the way, and then we got him, because there's no fucking way he can get through both of those. Like, what the hell? 
And the car's response is it honks like an asshole and then does a barrel roll over both cop cars and both cop cars explode. I was like, holy shit, what a way to get out of that situation. Like, it was some speed racer shit. And I was like, whoa, the devil is awesome. (laughs) So, um, as this sort of ragtag team of cops begin to develop their plan, and they're like, what the hell are we going to do about this thing? Our our intention of let's just shoot through the windshield and kill the driver, that's not going to work. There's no driver. We right. now know this. And then they try to, the uh, the uh, James Roland tries to shoot out the tires, and it just doesn't, like, the car's indestructible, which the Wrecker didn't even think about that. The final girl gets a gun, and she doesn't try to shoot out the tires of the fucking tow truck. She's just like, I guess this gun is just my assess- accessory now. I don't know what to, what to do with this. Um, the car is indestructible. The movie tells us like, you can't fuck with this car. Um, and so the car kills James Brolin's mentor. It kills, um, it eventually kills his girlfriend that we find out, which was, um, both very sad and also the most kick-ass thing I've ever seen in a fucking movie. So James (laughs) Brolin's girlfriend goes back to her house and first of all, she has a full-sized fucking painting of James Brolin that she's been working on that I want in my goddamn house in real life. <laughs> I want a oil painting of porno-stashed James Brolin in my fucking house. So she calls James Brolin and she's like, hey, I'm really freaked out. I don't know what the hell's going on. And James Brolin's like, just sit tight. It's okay. We'll, we'll figure this thing out. And she's like, I think I hear the devil car coming down the street, but I don't know. I feel like I'm freaking, I'm losing my mind. And he's like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, devil car comes tearing ass up the road, jumps the curb, flies through her living room window, runs her over in her own kitchen, blows out the back ass of the house and keeps driving. And it was so fucking cool that I couldn't even be sad. Like I was like, Oh, what a great character. Who's fucking definitely dead. But that was so kick ass. And the fact that the movie's like, well, she's in the house. How's the car going to get her? Don't worry. The devil figured it out. And he's going to jump the shit out of it. Cheat codes enabled. He just jumped this fucking curb and he ran this woman over in her own house. Yeah. The devil was using game shark here. Definitely. Oh, 100,000%. Wait, I think I hear the engine of that damn car. Wait, it uh, sounds so weird. Wait, I'm scared. No, I promise you I won't go out. Tell me what to do, baby. I, 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 I... It was so badass that James Brolin is listening to this happen, and you can just hear him go, Damn! What? Exactly. Uh, before he like, realizes, like, like, oh shit. Honey, I don't know what happened, but it sounded fucking awesome. Like, that's basically <laughs> how it works. Um, also, by the way, evil uh, conglomerate guy Dick Jones from Robocop plays like the sad drunken deputy in this. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I was actually mm. very impressed. I was like, where do you go, yeah, Dick yeah. Jones? So the plan needs to come together, and right. they're trying to do it like ASAP. I mean, this thing, unlike Wrecker, this thing is wasting no time. This thing's like, I'm my objective, kill every single living being in this town. Which, by the way, another comment I wanted to make to really just compare this to Wrecker is we talked about how Wrecker does no gore at all. is scared of gore, scared right. of blood. And this movie is not a super gory movie. But... 
it doesn't make you feel deprived of gore. So even though it's not showing like uh, Death Race style, right. someone's head like blowing up under a tire, um, it doesn't make like it's filmed in such a way, and there's so much of like very explicit this character getting killed by the car that you don't feel like you're being deprived or the movie is scared to show you it. You're just like, all right, fine. You and, just kind and, of accept it. And that's sort of the other thing too, is like the major difference here is the premise is basically the same. The devil's car is here and it's fucking shit up and killing people. But the difference here is like, oh, well, Wrecker's like, what if you had that premise as a as a curse on your people and you had to produce a movie whereas the car is like well what if you had that premise and like a director made it like a director who actually like had a cinematographer and like knew what the fuck they were doing made the movie because there's some really interesting scenes like there's like scenes where it's these huge horizon shots of the desert and it's so still it's like a fucking it's like once upon a time in the West. It's, it's like this huge sprawling desert scene. And then you see this devil car just tearing ass through the desert. And you're like, Oh, someone's in trouble. Like it, 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 there's actually like a sense of style to it almost, which I was actually impressed with, with the exception of the third act, the final act. I don't love the look of it. It's very like day for nighty and very dark and grungy to look at. And I don't love the third act. I feel like they kind of got stuck in like, well, we got to figure out a way to kill this car. Um, I don't love it, but up until that point, just there's a lot of really interesting ideas because the desert is like very brown and orange, but everyone else is like late 70s bright colors. So when you see this jet black devil car come ripping up the road, it stands out. It has like an actual sort of presence to it. How about the scene when, okay, so this scene sounds really stupid when I'm going to describe it to you, but I actually felt a little bit of tension in it. So they decide, as Tien points out, their plan of action is they're going to lead this car out to the desert and then blow it the fuck up. That is their plan of action. Uh, God, apparently, White, Mr. Wifebeater is a, a demolitions expert, so that's why he's needed. Again, only in the <laughs> 70s. Um, which, by the way, he as they're packing explosives, he has a great line. One guy almost drops a box of explosives, and Wifebeater says... Be careful if you, you breathe. If you cough on that, it'll blow your balls up right into your tonsils. Great line. <laughs> Anyways, so James Brolin is going to go get his motorcycle because he's going to play the bait and go get this car to chase him. And so he's like just about to go and he's like, oh, you know what? I forgot something in the garage. And when he walks in, it's very dark. The fucking devil car is hiding in the garage. And so like, like I said, this scene's going to sound very stupid and it is. But it's also kind of tense because James Brolin's like, oh, I give this shit. And he's like, wait a second. And he turns around and the goddamn car's in there and it's got him trapped. And it's actually, it's like, it's like if, imagine instead of a car, it was like a grizzly bear. Like he just turns around and he's like, oh my God. And the beast is in there with him. It, it, it doesn't super pan out. It's kind of dumb. But at the same time, it, I actually felt tension there, which I felt none of during the entirety of Wrecker. Like, I actually felt like, oh my god, this is, holy shit, this is intense. For even just a second, which I didn't get in any of an hour and a half long goddamn film from 2015. That said, still objectively very funny. Especially the like, oh honey, what, what's going on out there? It's like, hey, st you stay in the house. You stay in the house right now. And she's like, what's going on? Is there like a big rat in the garage? Way, way, way worse than that. 
Yeah. Way She's worse like, than a big rat. No, I'm here. coming in. And he goes, the car's in the garage. And she goes, oh no. And runs up the stairs. Like, she says, she says, oh no. As if she expected there was like a 50% chance this was going to happen. It's like, <laughs> oh no. God, I, I knew thought... it. My horoscope was right. And then, she oh God. So essentially the car has demanded, uh, well, let's just say, let's test this plan now, baby. Why wait? Um, so they're, they're going to just get this car out into the desert and it's blow it up time. Right. And it's, and like I said, I don't love it. It's a little, it's, it's pretty seventies cheese. Um, that but, said, that said, I just rewatched this movie recently. Kind of very similar to the end of Monster House, actually. Okay. In terms yeah. of like lead this giant, uh, cursed inanimate object out into the middle of nowhere to blow it up. And so, uh, so they do. Now, here's the thing that's interesting to me, and the thing and we gotta that, wrap this thing up, by the way. So speed round. Right. Well, this is the thing I find interesting. So they blow this son of a bitch up. And it's a huge explosion. Like, again, they're not skimping on the on the car damage, the car gore. They blow the car up, and a goddamn demon snake is in the fiery wreckage of it. Like, they're all, like, all the remaining deputies are like, oh, shit, and the car explodes, and you see, like, a demon come out of it for a second. So it was like, no, this car was definitely the devil, and you definitely exercised it from your small town. And I was actually impressed that the film committed to that, that it wasn't just like... Who was that guy anyway? No, they were like, no, this car was definitely evil. It came straight from hell, and you exercised it from your town. Great job. There's half a dozen grown men laying in the sand, staring up at this big fireball, going, what in the hell? Yeah. What in tarnation? And then, and then um, Dick Jones is like, did you see the devil? And James Rowland's like, I didn't see shit, and neither did you. Shut the fuck up. We're going back to town. <laughs> And I was like, that is very good. That is, that is the most realistic ending you could ask for. Is, wow, that was unbelievable. It's renewed my faith in religion. Great. Shut up and get back to work. And that's the car from 1977. Any final thoughts? Like I said, I, I didn't like the, la- the last third. I thought it was really ugly. And I thought the ending was very cheesy. But I surprisingly enjoyed this film. I, I had a lot of fun with this movie, actually. Which I wasn't expecting. Um, but I liked I liked the look of it. I liked that it was a ripoff of Jaws, but I thought it did an okay job of it. And there were some pretty kick-ass deaths, like the barrel <laughs> roll to get out of a game of chicken and murdering a woman in her own house with a car. That was so awesome. I could yeah. not. I had to rewind it. And the car farted. Did I mention the car farted? Because the car farted after it killed you, two teenagers. I, I believe, uh, I'll have to check the tapes, but I do believe that you mentioned that the car farted. I will say, when they trapped the car down on the crater at the end, he looked kind of sad and like, I didn't like that very much. But uh, yeah, uh, and then the kind of, I'd say my favorite part, and this is the last thing I'll say about the car, is at the end, when the car is sh- rocketing off of the cliff and it's about to explode it's blaring on the horn which gives off the impression that the car is screaming as it goes off the cliff oh i 100 percent interpreted it that it was screaming right as it was sent back to hell <laughs> it's like alan rickman at the end of die hard just like yeah, exactly like, <laughs> i'll see you in hell james brolin and then it explodes and it's fucking rad I loved you in Men in Black 3. God damn you. Why'd you have to go and make it ugly? (coughs) Let's, uh, let's take a break. I can't believe in you any longer. 
from his mother's basement. Weighing in at 195 pounds, he wishes, and knowing absolutely nothing about the world of professional wrestling, he is the Clueless Wrestler! Alright everybody, welcome to Clueless Wrestler, the podcast within a podcast where I subject Tien Gignol to random pieces of former wrestling uh, moments of glory to have him uh, usually either be confused or, or maybe shit on it. So uh, we, this is actually a continuation of the last episode of Clueless Wrestler. Uh, where we talked about the main event to WrestleMania 5, which took place April 2nd, 1989. We are right smack dab in the middle of WrestleMania season. Actually, we've just wrapped WrestleMania season in 2019. We're going back to WrestleMania 5, where the mega powers exploded. Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, for the world heavyweight title, meeting in Atlantic City, New Jersey, for WrestleMania 5. Now, last episode, we watched the promo package leading up to this match, and uh, TN pointed out, I will say very astutely, that this whole saga of the Mega Powers fighting seemed very lame and like the worst possible reason to start a feud, which was, hey, we're a very successful tag team. Now, for no reason, let's have Macho Man be jealous. That was basically the premise. So now we actually get to see the payoff. We get to see the, the actual match itself. So TN, I am dying to hear what you thought about Macho Man Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan in 89. Excellent. Well, first things first. So is wrestling real? Uh, in the 80s? No, it is not. Okay. No, I'm just you. kidding. It is. Okay. Um, so um, I will say one thing that I was very struck with in this match, uh, the announcers, actually. I was... uh, you had uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura on commentary. So, uh, we've talked about in the past how, uh, you know, one, one of the bits of information I have gleaned from you on this podcast within a podcast, this podcast-ception, mm -hmm. uh, is that oftentimes, uh, among the two announcers, one will be the heel mm -hmm. and one will kind of speak for the people. And I thought that perhaps this was just unique to this match itself, but these guys were so much more obvious with that uh, it uh, was a during lot, this match. Yeah, it was a lot less subtle in the 80s. As, as you'll see with a lot of wrestling, a lot of this match. It's a lot less subtle in the 80s. And are uh, are those announcers actually former wrestlers? Actually, or is that both like they are, character? believe it or not. Yeah, Gorilla Monsoon was uh, a former wrestler way before like WWF was even a thing. And then Jesse Ventura started as a wrestler for WWF and eventually just became an announcer. They they launch very quickly into kind of playground insults, which has to kind of remind me, like, oh, right... There's a lot of kids in the audience, right. and this is kind of designed for... I'm not going to say the whole thing. Like, the demographic is primarily 12-year-olds, but that said, they know that there's a lot of 12-year-olds watching it. Right. So, the, uh, Jesse lands very quickly on the term pukesters yeah, for it, the Hulk's uh, fans. Yeah, so instead of Hulksters or Hulkamania, it's pukesters and pukamania. Which I thought was excellent. Very, very garbage bale kids of him. Well, I, um, my favorite part of that is not just the very, like, oh, that's a way to go, Jesse. You really reinvented the wheel there. But the fact that even when he's saying things that, like, would be insulting to Hulkamania, he still uses Pukamania. Like, there's a moment where he's like, I'm telling you something, Gorilla. Pukamania ends tonight. And it's like, no, you, you should have called a Hulkamania there because the insult is that it ends. Not that you're calling it puke instead of Hulk. Like, the insult is that I'm, it's going to end. 
It's clear he was very happy with landing on Pucamania. Oh, he because, landed on that and he rode that into the sunset. Because almost immediately uh, he says something like, the Hulkster, the muster, and you hear Gorilla go, huh? Yeah. There's <laughs> like, definitely a couple. What did you say? Or, or there's a part where he's like, uh, Gorilla Monsoon. He's just trying to see what sticks. Yeah, Gorilla Monsoon mentioned something and then uh, because Macho Man is the champion at this time. <clears throat> And uh, Jesse Ventura calls Hulkster the chump. And then he's like, well, he's the former champion. And he's like, no, when you're not champion anymore, you're the chump. And it's like, Gorilla, <laughs> stop calling Jesse out on this stuff. Just let him do it. Because the more you're drawing attention to it, the less effective it is. Yes. Okay, so uh, setting aside our announcers, yes. the match itself. Okay, Were you so- disappointed that Jesse Ventura did not refer to himself as a sexual Tyrannosaurus? I was very disappointed. Well, unfortunately, that that was just for the movies. So, um, the first move in this match, if I'm not mistaken, Randy Savage uh, goes in and sort of goes for like a low grab Mm -hmm. on Hulk, who just straight up just throws him across the ring from a standing position. And it was one of the more impressive moves I think I've seen because it didn't even have a lot of flair to it. It just was like just a raw strength, just... Let me show you what I can do mm-hmm. right here. It was like very impressive, actually, beyond just the showmanship quality of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of this is. I mean, there's a lot, uh, uh, from what I can tell, of, you know, obviously you had hinted last time, hey, uh, there's certain something that happens when Randy is acting as the heel. Right. And that was the little clue of, oh, well, okay, well, we'll see kind of how this is going to play out. Indeed, that's how it plays out. So there's a lot of character stuff happening in this, but it's a lot of just, hey, here's two really good dudes at the top of their game just doing what they do best. And this is and a, it's impressive. This is a prototypical 80s match, I will say as well. Like, there's a lot of like, oh, here's like a big kaboom kind of move. And then, like, they'll be down for something. Or, like, one of them will get out of the ring and they'll kind of play chase. Like, they didn't do a lot of, like... Like, now, in modern wrestling, there's a concern of, like, overdoing things. So, in the 80s, mm-hmm. there was a little more paste of, like, well, now this is going to be the big moment. And now we're going to kind of recover, kind of recover. And now here comes another big moment. Like, that sort of... This is a very prototypical 80s match. Now, I do have a big question after okay. uh, watching this match. Um, which is, uh, so in professional wrestling, mm-hmm. um, is your career as a professional wrestler, is it highly enhanced by male pattern baldness? In the eighties, it certainly was. That was certainly not a detractor. If you had, you know, wispy, uh, baby hair that started right at the top and just sort of went back was not a huge issue. Yeah. Hulk really looks just like Tommy Pickles up there. It's just like, <laughs> it's just not much going on. I That's a take I haven't heard. So there you go. That's a first. <laughs> Can I admit something to you real quick? Of and course. I've been waiting to tell this to you. Okay, yes. so uh, part of the reason for this show is uh, that I myself did not watch wrestling growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch a lot of other TV. So in 2002, a little movie came out uh, called Spider-Man. Directed by mm-hmm. Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And there is a pretty famous, uh, now memed on scene uh, with Macho Man playing Bonesaw mm-hmm. in the wrestling match where Peter is discovering his powers. Mm-hmm. So, it's 2002. I'm watching this movie in theaters. I don't know who Macho Man Randy Savage is. Okay. I truly don't. 
even beyond the fact that I didn't watch wrestling, I had not even been exposed to anything he'd done outside of it, pop culture wise. Mm-hmm. However, and this is the really embarrassing part, when that scene happens and I'm listening to his voice, his iconic voice, I think to myself, man, that sounds a lot like that intergalactic wrestler character from, from Dial, Dial M, M for, for Monkey. monkey. Yes, <laughs> wrestler. That is entirely... That, he gives, that, that episode has one of the best speeches where he's like, uh, he says something along the lines of like, you know, like, who's here to stand up to me, like, you know, to participate in the ultimate cosmic struggle? Or will you fall... It's like, will you fall victim has been the fate of so many. Like, there's a really great, like, it really is, macho yeah, man It really is fantastic, actually. Yeah, it really is a really lovely little, like, packaged up hero's journey, don't give up inspirational sort of story in this, like, five-minute... Uh, <laughs> little cartoon. It's really fantastic, also, actually. Also, I love when he gives that big speech, and then Major Glory and all the heroes go, "Huh?" And he goes, "Fight me, or I destroy the Earth." And I was like, "I'm <laughs> waiting for an actual superhero movie to do that. Like, I'm waiting for Galactus <laughs> to give this big speech, and then they all go, huh? And he just goes, fight me, right? Destroy the Earth. Like, that's just a great line. <laughs> it was fantastic. Okay, so. There's a move uh, also pretty early on where uh, Hulk grabs Macho Man by his tights and flings him out of the ring. And I tell you, we were just about, I'd say, a couple inches off from just seeing some Macho Man meat right there. Uh, It made me kind of wonder how often uh, a lot of wrestlers who have wrestled together quite a bit have seen each other's dicks. Um, Do you think it's more than a dozen times or less? Uh, Well, in ring, I would say less. Locker room, more. Uh, yes. There's two two quick stories I want to talk about that. Number one, if it had been Ric Flair instead of Macho Man, you would have seen his entire ass. Um, <laughs> because you can literally Google Ric Flair's ass, and his tights have been pulled down about 10 trillion times, and his white naked ass just hangs out because he has no shame. Uh, and number two, there's actually a story in Mick Foley's first book uh, that uh, other wrestler Al Snow was notorious for having a very uh, bushy pubic mound. And so uh, at a house show, he was fighting against a wrestler named Hardcore Holly, who picked him up in a suplex, stood his ground, held Al Snow straight up vertically in the air, grabbed his singlet, pulled it to the side, and as Mick Foley describes it, it looked like a baby bird in a very full nest. (laughs) So those are two little fun stories about what you just brought up. That's fantastic. Well, uh, uh, so not to wax poetic on this too long. I'm trying to wrap this up. So uh, as we talked about last episode, um, the mega powers, I guess it had been decided that, uh, you know, Hulk was going to take the belt. And so in order to do that, in order to uh, get the fans on his side, he wanted to... uh, sort of play up the being abusive towards Miss Elizabeth in order to put the fans against him, which you can hear audibly in the audience. I mean, anytime he raises a hand against her, it's just, oh, boo! Um, And that is the lead-up to uh, the sort of big Hulk's hero journey. So I'm I'm correct there, right? Absolutely. Um, Okay. Couple of questions for you real quick. Number one, what did you feel, uh, were you shocked at all to see uh, blood? 
because Hulk Hogan gets busted open at one point. Yeah, um, uh, I wasn't super shocked. I feel like I feel like the 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 couple other things I've ever seen of Hulk Hogan in the ring, I feel like he just has like tissue paper skin, and that's just eventually kind of his... all older wrestlers do. They just yeah. it's all scar tissue, and it's just done. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess I wasn't shocked, but, but that was, uh, that, that, that was a nice addition to it. That, that kind of played into the story they were telling. Very true. And then number two, walk me through your thought process of the end of the match. Okay. I will, I would love to, and you, I'm glad you set me up perfectly for that. So I thought that the end of this match told one of the most cohesive and well executed stories I've seen in a wrestling match. Okay. And that is... That the announcers and obviously uh, Hulk and Randy established that Macho Man Randy Savage's big elbow is going to put you out for good. Mm -hmm. If you get the big elbow from Macho Man, you're done. The match is over. Correct. It's like the spirit bomb or something. If you get hit by it, it's, it's all over. And the 80s was a time when a finishing move was indeed a finishing move. Yeah. So... They establish that. The announcers say it several times. Randy Savage seems to be kind of indicating the ring like he's going to get it. He's going to get it. The elbow's coming. So, indeed, he gets up on the top rope. He gives Hulk the elbow. He takes the full force of it. And at that point, all the audience is left thinking, well, he's done. Mm -hmm. Macho Man wins. Mm -hmm. Hulk sits up from it. And like an angry gorilla just starts mm-hmm. just getting beat red. These are two of the darkest white men I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> and he, he, he st- the correct terminology, the scientific term is he begins to hulk up. Yes. He hulks up and, uh, and he ends the match with a series of really well executed moves against Macho Man, puts him down, pins him, the belt is his. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so well done. Uh, in an almost cinematic way, I thought it was perfectly executed in terms of a, hey, no one can withstand this except now for me and now I'm your champion. True. Very true. Now keep in mind, um, and, and, and I'm glad, that is exactly the reaction you would have had in 89. That is the perfect response to that situation. You know, basically because of the the spirit of the people and because of their will, Hulk Hogan was able to power through the unbeatable elbow drop and save the day. Hooray. So that is exactly how it's supposed to be. Now, from my perspective, in 2019, being a cynical cock, <laughs> the story to me is Macho Man hits his finishing move, which should put down anybody, but haha. The one caveat he forgot was, fuck you, I'm Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan gets up like it didn't even affect him and then hits Macho Man with the typical Hogan thing. By the way, that's how every match with Hogan ended in the 80s. The couple of punches, no, usually the big finger wag first, which he does here, blocking the punches, couple of shots, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three. That was like the most protected combination of moves in wrestling. So, to me, and because I was always a bigger Macho Man fan, it is a little bit of a of a of a kick in the dick that like Macho Man hits Hogan with like the move, and Hogan's like, nope, and 
and just hits his move, <laughs> and it's like, oh, mine is good. Mine's important. Mine's super effective. Yours oh, didn't do I shit. See. So, Mine's so super it, effective. <laughs> so, from your perspective, it's like the, you know, uh, no, you missed me. Like, you right. didn't know. I've got, like, special <laughs> I- invincible shield on that right. your elbow if doesn't you, work against. If you had this ending happen now... The the wrestler who is Hulk Hogan in this scenario would be called a giant asshole for just being like, nope, your finisher did nothing. I win now. It would be you would be booed out of the building. Well, that's interesting. I, I that's times have changed. Kind of, I guess that's that's part and parcel to this show is uh, is is perspective in watching a match and and the time given to exactly. So so it's like so. a nice little bookend here. This was our first taste of really eighties wrestling. We saw the promo last episode. This was the final matchup here. So just real quick, compared to the other pieces of wrestling that you've seen, mostly from the nineties, what what is your takeaway from wrestling in the height of heights that was the mid to late eighties for WWF? I think that it was. There was no irony needed and there were less gimmicks needed, I feel. Um, it wasn't like, hey, we know that, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos and also like early seasons of Jackass are happening on other channels and we need your attention. Therefore, right. the thumbtacks are coming out or whatever. Right. Um, I think that uh, they it allowed for almost more of a like, you know, golden age kind of pure uh, form of just like sportsmanship combined with showmanship uh, equaling what you're seeing. So 100% perfectly, perfectly summarized. That's exactly what the 80s were. It was these larger than life characters and it was like seeing superheroes fight on TV. So wonderfully put, that is exactly what the 80s were going for. And I'm glad that you were able to receive that so clearly. And so how do you, uh, what would you say, did you enjoy more as a viewer? Did you enjoy this match or did you enjoy some of the stuff from the 90s? Honestly, I mean, I I lean slightly towards the 90s just because I feel like it fits more of kind of uh, our aesthetic, uh, I guess. True. Um, So I, I, I vibe with it a little more. But that said, I totally respect and understand why there are people that are just kind of, uh, you know, pure about the '80s, like oh, there's nothing else I like besides '80s wrestling. Right. So very true. Very snobbish true. '80s wrestling people. So one, two, three. And we are back. Uh, I think Zach. You know, <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think it's time to fix these films. That's true. That's true. It, it, uh, and this is going to be tricky because they are so similar. Yes. Um, yeah, these might be kind of overlapping fixes, but that's okay. They sometimes are, and that's that's fine. You know, you can you can absorb, you can fusion dance the movies together as a fix. That That's totally acceptable <laughs> true, within true. the rules of Frightful Failures, okay? Oh, good. Good to know. I'll add that to the list. Um, okay, yeah. so I guess let's start with Wrecker. Okay. Uh, boy, uh... Where do you start with Wrecker? Um, I, I know your first fix, so just, you know, just just say it. I know what you want. Okay, well, I want that... The we haven't done of- this in a while. Okay, uh, well, on the count of three, we'll say at the same time what uh, what you your ideal fix for this movie is, okay? Okay, yeah. Count of three. All right. Three... Oh, hang on. We'll start with one. One... No, hang on. We'll start with two. <laughs> 
<laughs> Three, two, one. The Goblin face comes on the out truck. Of the friend's face. What? what? Oh, oh, oh! You want okay, deadly friend. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was your answer? I said that you slap a goblin face on the tow truck. Okay. Now, truth be told, I actually thought about that as an actual fix. Like that was not <laughs> like that's not a joke for me. I'm like, no, just make the truck look cooler. That's yeah. true, and and that's a that's a legitimate point. Is that um, you know, I, I think I was reading that uh, for the car they made like. They were all custom built, the actual, the devil car, and they made like four of them because they oh, knew they were the going to have to for, get... Yeah, for in the yeah. car from 77. Yeah. yeah, they built four. One was for close-ups, and the other three were for fucking blowing up. And I was like, <laughs> yeah! Yeah, so I think that that alone goes to show like, oh, and guess what? It paid off. It actually yeah. is a very iconic looking car. I feel like even if you weren't a fan of this movie or you don't like... 70s exploitation style horror um you would still be like you know i would maybe like go to an auction and buy that car like which depending uh, on what it came up three of the four got fucked in production the fourth is in a private collection somewhere so somebody somebody lived that dream um yeah with wrecker i think uh, uh, truth be told i would say different um different actresses um just get somebody who's got personality and can like and charisma that would help um, and then like, I would go Rob Zombie style with the tow truck. Like, I want this truck to genuinely, like, I want like this to look like it's goddamn house of a thousand corpses, the truck. Like I want it yeah. to be like big and ridiculous so that when it's actually chasing them, they're like, holy shit, we gotta get out of here. Not just like, oh, is that the same tow truck? I can't tell. They all look the same. I don't know. Uh, is that the one that's chasing? No. Okay. There's no question in the, any point of the car, whether it's the devil car, you're like, holy shit, it's Jason Bourne. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime they see it. It is exactly what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about it when that thing starts rolling in. Because some characters even say that in the movie. Like, they're like, wait, dude, what do you see in the distance? They're like, fuck, the devil's coming. Like, there's no, there's no like, oh, maybe that, I don't know. Is that the thing? They're like, no, it definitely is. Get the fuck out of here. You know, I honestly think with Wrecker, maybe more cars would be the fix. So, yeah. like, you know, if you have the tow truck and then I say, you know, have the Goblin truck also. Like, have the semi-truck and then have Christine in there. And then, I mean, fuck it, have Knight Rider in there. No, and... you know what? You, you know what the fix is for Wrecker? I just thought sure. of it. So the movie does the thing where, like, it can just appear out of nowhere at times if the script requires a jump scare. I think Mm. they needed to lean really hard into that. Like, as in the truck could literally be anywhere. Like, when the girls are in the bathroom and they're, like, splashing water on their faces or whatever, one of them should check one of the bathroom stalls and the truck should just blow through the fucking toilet and just come, like, chasing them through the actual building itself. Like, when she goes to pick up the phone at the payphone, the truck should shoot out of the bottom of the receiver of the phone and, like, kill the guy at the gas station. Like, it should just be, like, anywhere at any time. I agree. I think that uh, that scene at the diner, um, that, uh, you know, the waitress should come back and be like, two cheeseburgers, and then on the plate is just the tow truck. And it just goes full size and just smashes through the table. And they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. Okay. Truth be told. Yes. Would you or would you not be shocked if at the end of the movie she hears the cell phone ring, she goes, she opens the trunk of the car instead of a dead body we don't see because they couldn't afford the effect. She opens the trunk. 
the fucking tow truck drives out of the trunk and flattens her right there. Oh my god. Like like the truck isn't behind her anymore. It just quantum leaps out of the trunk of the car impossibly and murders her right there. Yeah. No, I I I think that would be fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh screw my crossover idea, although I think you know, honestly, you'd probably have uh honestly, you know what would really fix this movie is if Larry the Cable Guy voiced the truck. That's true. If it was Mater instead of Wrecker, that would have really been an upgrade here. Because imagine mm-hmm. the girls like driving their going 120 miles an hour down this definitely in Canada road. Yes. And they're like, I can't, why is it chasing us? And then like right around the corner, you just see the bright lights and just get her done as it comes whipping around the road. Like that would be... What a catchphrase. Like, no, eat your heart out, be, Freddy Krueger. Yes. The license plate says, get her done. And No, uh, the license plate says, Zantec 75. <laughs> or, or Walmart. Or yes. Comedy Roundup Channel on Sirius. Whatever advertisement <laughs> he's got. And those are, the yeah, those, those can be sort of stickers, NASCAR yes. style, all over the truck. And, and instead and I of think Devil's that, Pass... That stretch of road is called the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Oh, you don't think he would say, more like devil's ass. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> no, now I'm disappointed that I didn't say devil's ass instead of devil's pass. Now shame <laughs> on me. Um, and then here's the thing. So once again, we're taking points from the car. So if Wrecker is now Mater, yes. I think that Mater is farting throughout the entire movie. Oh, I think um, instead of your Jason Voorhees, <laughs> it's just farting. Just yeah. that's its calling card. You can hear it from a distance, like the farting is coming in closer and closer, and they can smell it because they talk about like the diesel fume. Like, oh, we got to get around this yeah. truck. What if it was like, oh, this truck's asshole smells? That's the that's why we have to get around the car. And I think that the asshole I think of this sentient truck smells not good. Yeah, and, and to move away from the discussion of this car's asshole for just a half a second, um, so I think that we, we, the, the movie would need more sponsorships and tie-ins, you know, like a la mm-hmm. Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that what happens is every time that the movie has some sort of minor inconvenience, like the check engine light turns on, it's like a, a Jiffy Lube ad where it's like, oh, okay. are you tired of this kind of horror? And like, oh, no i'm low on oil and it's like don't worry and then it just cuts over to jiffy lube and 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 she's getting it fixed up there and and there's like a 10 minute jiffy lube ad uh or pet boys or whoever we can book you know somebody would want to be involved in this can we get the all-state guy who was in major league and can he bring jobu with him yeah as long as we can if anybody listening to this actually knows what the fuck i'm talking about I will be so impressed. I'm 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 yes anding you, but I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I appreciate that. Hey, that's a good partner in a show. You're yeah. yes anding, even though you're like, who the fuck cares about Major League? Me, <laughs> me, and uh, and Joe Boo. That's about it. Is um, is Major League the movie with Matt Stone and Trey Parker where they invented? No, new that's sport? basketball, which also oh. a classic. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. No, actually, truth be told, I love your Tomater uh, idea. I think it totally. Salt because think about it. If you made Tomater in like the 
quasi-realistic CG like they're doing for The Lion King. That would Or like be... Detective Pikachu, where it's right. just like, oh exactly. man, that's that would, horrifying. That would be a fucking nightmare to see yeah. a sentient truck with the voice of Larry the Cable Guy. Because he's got those big, cute, like, buck teeth in, in Cars and mm-hmm. all of its subsequent uh, successful sequels. Um, but, like, imagine having an actual, like, disgusting, like, toothless redneck like Rob Zombie mouth happening in there. Um, but in like super realistic CG. And and he's just kind of like when he's chasing after them, he's just like licking his lips and just like running his tongue over <laughs> over those awful jagged teeth. I was going to say, the Green Goblin truck from Maximum Overdrive ain't got shit on that nightmare that you just described. Yes, I'm going to have actual nightmares about this tonight now. We have single-handedly uh, made this film a thousand times scarier. And it's fixed. Let's move on to The Car, uh, a movie that arguably doesn't need that much fixing. Yeah, we've sucked this this movie's dick pretty good, but um, (laughs) um, I would honestly say, if I'm being serious, I would change the ending somehow. I don't know what else, but I just don't love the like, oh, it chased me up a wall and now we're going to blow it up. Although that explosion is pretty kick-ass, but just the getting there is not so great. I and will also, say, and also in needing the help of the wife beater, I feel like that's very, oh. that's very odd. Hey, woman beater, um, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, so there's uh, a couple of things I would say the movie already does, which you could do more of, okay. and that would be a fix. So, for instance, the car surprising you by being somewhere that it shouldn't be. Oh, like uh, in the garage, yes. Like in the garage. So I think maybe. You know, Josh Brolin, he, like, goes up and he's going to bed and he pulls the sheets back and the car's in his bed. And he's like, oh, my God. You know, and that's, that. you know, we talked about how there'd be some overlap here. Similar to part of our fix from Wrecker about the car being in unexpected places. Mm -hmm. But it just works, okay? It just works. Here's the thing, though. So, the car, the devil car, is in the bed with James Brolin. And before the car can kill him... James Brolin grabs the car by the tailpipe like Ooh. it's his dick. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, hey, guy, learned this from my girlfriend who learned it from a girl in the fourth grade. And oh, it comes right yeah. back around of like, hey, that wasn't appropriate then. It's still not appropriate. And now he's got the devil by the dick. Mm-hmm. You could also make the car in bed scene work in a way that has been done in a lot of horror movies where it's like, uh, the lead female in the film like wakes up from a nightmare or something and she goes back and like rolls over to kind of like kiss her husband or whatever but it's the car there okay, or maybe like, like she's making love to her husband and then do- doesn't realize that suddenly he's the car like That's he's true. the I devil like car I like that so that that would be I think pretty effective also just generally having more uh, devil car death scenes in unexpected places locations uh having the car just ram through any amount of buildings you know like any of those police station scenes once the movie introduces that the car gives no fucks about the road that it's it's going pure doc brown and where it's going it doesn't need roads they don't ever come back to that and i feel like that would have been an improvement if it was just tearing ass through buildings and still killing people like in a supermarket and shit like imagine Mm -hmm. the scene from blues brothers when they're driving through the mall except everyone's dying i think that uh maybe uh you know you know you and i were both very business-minded and i think Mm -hmm. our fixes they often involve 
crossovers, and that's good because that's how you build a cinematic universe. That's what we're aiming for right now. That is every studio's goal. So I think one of our big tie-ins with this is you do like a sequel to Bumblebee where he's fighting the the devil car. And uh, I think that... Okay, so you take that kind of boring, generic girl uh, from the Bumblebee movie and, like, she's locked in the devil car and she's like, oh, no, Bumblebee, save me. Um, And I think that when the devil car transforms, it just squishes her inside, like, the car. And that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's that's the beginning of the third act, I think. Now, I know you're being... Uh, very edgy, and again, really making sure that you're dating this episode. Um, But, despite that, that sounds so fucking awesome that I would definitely buy a ticket to that. That you're telling me that there's like a Mexican standoff, and Bumblebee is like, got his little proton gun pointed at the devil car, and is like, Mm -hmm. playing, you know, whatever music they have the rights to, to because for whatever reason he's not. It would to talk. be Lincoln Park, obviously. Okay, okay, true. Yes, playing Lincoln Park's greatest hits, um, trying to say like, "Let my girlfriend go," and then like, or like, "Hey, Devil wait, Car." Wait, is that? A th- I didn't see the new Bumblebee movie. Are they dating in that? Oh, the you didn't catch the original tagline for the new Bumblebee movie? No. In 2019, you will believe an Autobot can fuck. So that's literally the tagline of the film. I don't know how you missed that. Anyway, wow. So yeah. Bumblebee's like, "Let my girlfriend go," and you know, transform and 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 face me like a Decepticon or whatever. And then mm-hmm. the devil car is like, "All right, you asked for it." Transforms with her inside, and then you just see her blood just spill out of like the mid torso of the devil car, and like, "Well, this is what you wanted." And then, holy shit, that's awesome. And then yeah. like Bumblebee becomes like a Transformer James Bond, where he's like. He calls up Optimus, and he's like, the bitch is dead. And then it's like, and now we have Bumblebee sequels. Um, The Quantum of Cybertron. Um, (laughs) That, this is really coming together. It really Um, worked out well. I like this. this, Yeah, this this is really coming together. Yeah, so so I think this times out perfectly because here's the thing, and and we've been wondering, uh, Daniel Craig already said he's retiring from the role of James Bond, and nobody has suggested the obvious answer that Bumblebee be the new James Bond. That's great. It's been That's staring great. us in the face all along. How about this? Bumblebee <laughs> is the new James Bond. Daniel Craig, voice of the devil car. Oh my god. Wow. And so that's it's called, just... It's, that's called a fixed film, ladies and gentlemen. That is a fixed film. Perfect. It's cyclical. Everything makes sense. <sighs> that's beautiful. All right. Yeah. Makes I think we more so easy. fixed Bumblebee than, uh, that's than true. the car, that's true. but that's we all right. Oops. Oops. <laughs> you well, know, we're fixing films across the whole spectrum. Yeah, so exactly. uh, we, we, we're, we got fixes just falling out of our asses yeah, here. Yeah, Michael so, Bay, uh, you get that one for free. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Well, uh, excellent. Uh, would you consider these two films appropriately, adequately fixed then? Oh, uh, 100%. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then let's go ahead and take a quick break. 
Okay, Zach, uh, this is really exciting, and you have no idea how much it has hurt my my soul to, to hide this from you uh, for the amount of time that it has taken to kind of put this together here. Not to overhype it, but listen, um, uh, a lot of you uh, may have seen, and if you haven't, go check it out right now. Uh, we put together a clip from our Puppet Master episode mm -hmm. uh, that we call uh, me puppet, uh, Method Acting in Puppet Master X. Yes. And it's just a short clip from the show, and in in that clip, you can see a couple of uh, uh, drawn, uh, illustrated avatars for Zach and myself. Mm -hmm. Very lovely. I like them quite a bit. Uh, Senior Random was the artist who knocked those out. Thanks, Justin. Yes. Um, so, but here's the thing. Zach isn't the only one who can commission an artist to make uh, a couple of interpretations of our characters. Except, here's the thing. I went ahead and did us the the self-service, the justice of uh, having someone commission us in our true forms, the way that Zach and I are meant to be. And so live here, you're going to hear Zach's reaction as he sees this commission for the first time. So here we go. I've just sent you it over to him. Piece of, okay. So let me, <laughs> let me start. Let me start by saying, shame on me. <laughs> Shame on me for not. These did you really get these commissioned? Yes. God damn you. Okay, so first of all, shame on me for not seeing this coming a mile away. It's, it's myself as Sonic the Hedgehog and Tiana's Tales because fuck you. However, however, with that being said, there is definitely a part of me that is relieved. That I have been dunked on here because my honest to God first reaction was I thought you photoshopped Justin's faces onto two men fucking and that that's what you were going to send me instead. So I'm actually thrilled that it's Sonic the Hedgehog fan art and not us fucking. So thank God I'm ashamed of this. This makes me very sad. You have no idea how authentic this is, too. I mean, I commissioned this from someone who does pretty much exclusively Sonic the Hedgehog, like, furry-type art. Um, so it's, it's well, truly they did great authentic. Work. They did great work. Um, so kudos to the artist. I guess we'll link in the description who they are. <laughs> this will be our new logo for the show. God I'm going to update SoundCloud as soon as we finish recording here. God damn it. <laughs> Oh, and kudos to them for drawing facial hair on Sonic, because that's not an easy task, so good no, on them. No, it's not. I mean, truly, uh, I I deeply, uh, me memes aside, it is a lovely drawing that I love very deeply. No, and, also uh, memes aside, big ups to them for not taking the easy route and drawing me as fuck you, Dr. Robotnik, fat fuck. <laughs> I really appreciate it being Sonic instead. Because that would have really hurt my feelings if I was Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> Man, uh, you're just... I hope you know that all of these few, thank goodness you didn't do that, are just giving me more ideas and <laughs> feel for the fire. Thank God you didn't just commission us to be two men fucking... Uh, thank God you didn't just commission us to be like Walking Dead fan art of like <laughs> Negan and Rick. Because <laughs> that's definitely what's happening next. Wonderful. <coughs> just delightful. I hate the show all over again. <laughs> and I wish I was dead. So, um... Oh, well, great. Well, let's get back to the show. 
as I stated before, I stated again, I don't want to be a part of this show anymore. And so uh, this is the final episode. And uh, if you want to follow me on uh, on various social media outlets, I won't be there because I'm definitely going to be dead because I have no longer a will to live. And this was a huge mistake. Um, uh, yeah. So if you filing... want to follow me on social media, I am uh, on Twitter. I am at drink underscore red underscore bull. And are you uh, sponsored by Red Bull right now? Is that what's going on? Uh, that is the meme. Is that I'm going to be sponsored by Red Bull, uh, whether they want me to be or not. And so, oh, okay. uh, so that's the meme. And mm. so, feel free to follow me on there. And uh, I will be sending in my resignation here shortly. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and everything Frightful Failures, you can find it either at Frightful Failures, which is our uh, Instagram, at Fright Failures, I believe it is on Twitter. Um, leading more so towards Instagram lately, although I just can't get over Instagram's lack of links. That really hurts the whole promotion game on Instagram. But that said, yes. uh, social media complaints aside... Um, we are trying to get a more regular schedule and uh, trying to get a more regular promotion schedule as well. If you like the show, if you listen to the show, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Um, and that's about it. So uh, that said, we're now going to be throwing to the conclusion to uh, our very first Monster of the Week uh, storyline uh, which we refer to as Romanian WrestleFest, uh, the conclusion to that story is going to be uh, coming up right after this. Well, for everyone here on our final episode, because I'm never coming back and doing this again, uh, <laughs> on behalf of an asshole, Tien Guignol, <laughs> yes. I am Zach Romero. Thank you so much for listening to Frightful Failures. Continue circulating the tapes. In our world, hidden underneath our very noses, are horrors the likes of which we could never imagine. Bloodthirsty beasts, ancient demonic entities, and inhuman abominations plague the world of the living. Luckily, keeping us safe from it all is... Team Viper Ghost Patrol! Starring Red Viper Retired luchador and the team's de facto leader. Close in Cincinnati! <laughs> I'm in flex! Dr. Xavier Gobblepot, a man of science and action and science. Science is not racist, it is the future. Jeffy, half woman, half beast, and 100% badass. I get the crappy dogs because I'm the failed monster. <laughs> and loads. A man of limited supernatural abilities and unlimited perversion. Oh. Yeah, thanks, man. That's wonderful. And then I just had to walk away. Join these four monster hunters as they travel the world in search of the strange and unnatural. If you've got a problem that defies explanation, then you better call Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Previously on. Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Uh, you knock on the door. Elena Vladescu greets you. Um, uh, she... Of the Vladescu tragedy. Wow, your burns healed magnificently. What? Are you referencing the, the death of my brother? Oh. 
she slams the door in your face. <laughs> so you enter, and as you enter, you see a normal-looking home. In the corner is a young boy, perhaps 12, and he's scribbling in charcoal on a piece of paper. He looks up at you with just a stare of nothing, just like there's nothing behind his eyes, and he looks back and keeps scribbling. So we just recently found out about the horrible tragedy that happened a couple months ago. So sorry for our oh loss. Oh my god, it was such a tragedy, my dear brother. His darling wife, and they leave me with their son. So Vessi over here, um, you said he built, used to build stuff. Yeah, he's always been a creative child. Uh, You're offering this boy a scholarship? Something like that, sure. So, uh, we're just gonna do a little bit of an interview process with Vasil. Just kind of dashing from each point of the house until I can, like, slowly start moving. So you're trying to kick up the rug a little bit with each pass by it. You then very obviously trip and throw the whole rug up and reveal, like, a cellar door there. Perfect! (laughs) Uh, As soon as you do that, uh, Vasil obviously hears it happen. He turns it, sees it, and just screams in Romanian, Daddy! And then you hear this stomping from down below you. And before any of you can react, the cellar door is thrown open by this massive punch, and this seven-foot, hulking, giant, leather-armor-clad, patchwork, male monster erupts from below the floor. Red Viper grabs Elena by the shoulders and kind of like pulls her back from the monster. Like, hey, what in the hell is that thing in your living room? You read his mind and he's saying, kill them all, daddy, kill them all, daddy. And uh, as long as they don't use fire against you. And she she goes, I'm sorry, I, I, I barely know anything, but this is, lightning is the cure, okay? Lightning, just zap it and it'll be done, okay? I just shot him point blank in the face right. for three damage. So like, we really don't want to hit hard to take this guy down. Unless we got the fire. Now, Romanian WrestleFest. Part seven. Well, again, then again, I don't want to just be like, and then I came and I punched him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious uh, uh, of your attacks right now. Do you have anything that can do at least four damage right now? I don't Forearm. think. Honestly, I don't think the monster would hurt his child. What if you try to grab the kid and pull him like, make him stop, and then punch the kid, make him stop. <laughs> <laughs> I might just skip the talk and just punch the kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, more more uh, <laughs> child harm would be a good addition to this. I agree with the keeper. Yeah, I'm going to swoop in on this kid. <laughs> All right. Hey, he summoned it. He might know how to make it stop. True. Could be good. Uh, actually, before I go and, and swipe the kid. Okay. So I'm assuming it's going to be like an act under pressure. Yeah. I'm gonna try, I want to try two things. Depending on what you're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want Xavier to throw me the fucking drill. <laughs> and yeah. I want to grab this kid. Okay, so uh, yes, that would definitely be an act under pressure okay. then for that move. So uh, mm-hmm. we both rolling for this? Or um, this I'd or... say the toss is is fine. Toss, yeah. You know, it's all about doing it's all about the catch. Yeah. Just the catch, yeah. Let's see. Okay, so I mean, worst outcome, hard choice, or price to pay. You could change that to a twelve. True, but what if this is for nothing? Like, what it's if I true. grab a kid and it's like. Uh, he just pooped his pants. Well, then, then you'll it. have the like, kid and the drill, 
And you can just be like, all right. I can just cool. murder a kid. Like, <laughs> that's true. That'd be pretty kick ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If anybody, oh, shit, can anybody give me a, a help out? And plus okay, so. I think she could, uh, Jeff, you could help you out. Take a sip of this. Yeah. I'll help you out. Okay. You give me a one. Still counts. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus one. So as I jump to catch the drill, Jeffy, the half werewolf woman, just goes, "That's fucking awesome!" And boom, <laughs> catch it, grab this little fucking rugrat, and just kind of like stand my ground and. So are you like aiming the yeah, weapon at him? Eye or? contact with the monster, like yeah, you motherfucker. Great. Okay, so you've got the monster's full attention now. You've grabbed Vasile. So now uh, that that was your action for now. Um, So you all obviously just saw this happen. So it's on you to decide kind of how you want to play this next. Monster's turn, right? Monster needs to do something. He's been. You're like so the you're like the kid who says, "Didn't we have homework due today, yeah. teacher?" <laughs> All right, you're right. Um, <laughs> the monster is now fully enraged and coming right for Red Viper. Um, so uh, get ready. Just, hey, by the way, before you roll, yeah, just so you know, as a keeper, yes, I am 100% okay. <laughs> this kid is a shield. <laughs> just know that before you even react. Just know that. This okay. kid, is, mo- I'm making intense. I'm saying the monster knows what's up. This, this kid, his aunt, the monster's sister. We'll go I, back to the main guys. I will leave. I will dead. leave a such a stack of bodies here. I am not above this. Oh my. Okay. So that's thankful for you guys because I, that means I think we all agree what happened. The monster intimidated the shit out of this monster. So the monster went. Yeah, he had a moment where he's like, this you know what? This is up. This is the brakes. Whoa, man. Let's all, 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 all talk here. He's trying to intimidate now. Like, you don't want to do this. Okay. As he okay. says, let's talk, I pull out my shotgun and so you've, fire. Oh, you you want to throw a shotgun? This is a fire, okay, uh, fire infused shotgun. Can the oh, scientist yeah. yell out? Nice Oh, damn. Holy crap. So, uh, perfect on that. And that is going to be a kick some ass, which means you get to pick an enhanced effect on that. I'm going to give everybody a forward. Everybody gets a forward. Excellent. So that means that... um, and uh, how much is your shotgun? Is it four harm plus four the fire? Harm fire. Okay, so then what you did to that monster is you did one damage to it straight out, but the armor caught fire. So the armor is currently on fire, and you see it sort of in pieces. It's beginning to drop off of its body. Mm-hmm. And the monster's kind of panicking, too, while this is happening, so... Well, he's now the I human torch as the sun has a drill to his head. Um, which, by the way, have you yelled to the rest of the team that, like, fire good in this case? Like, he you... still has not. Okay. I have not. Well, my first thing was just shoot him right in the face, see how much damage True. we can do. Not it a works. whole lot. It's, yeah, yeah sun did yeah. knock him back. But yeah, now I, I would say my next turn is where I'm going to let everyone know. Okay, well, you've got a, a uh, flaming, uh, panicking monster on its hands. So before you guys can even think to do anything, it just starts flailing its arms and starts coming towards you two. Um, so. Making a nice so you guys are able to dodge out of the way. Dodge it like okay. Matrix. All right, so. Uh, 
At this point, yeah, I definitely gotta let everyone know that uh, fire is its weakness if it's not already on. Great, yeah. Hey, by the way, you see how it's on fire right now? I don't like that. <laughs> not, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> but, well, you know, before everyone kicks its ass, I should probably say something to this fucking kid. <laughs> sure, since yeah. Since Have a heart-to-heart -heart with him. Well, since uh, I'm just living the irony lifestyle of being the one who is most definitely built for fighting, being like, let me use my words here to see if I can solve this problem. <laughs> um, so I guess, can I, should I be trying to manipulate this kid? Or uh, it's up to you. It uh, depends on what you're trying to say to him here, what you're trying to... Saying, look, Sobapinski, I don't know what the fuck is going on around here, but you better call that fucking behemoth of a dad off of this right now. Or you're gonna get real, real acquainted with this fucking awesome thing I have in my hand here. Which, by the way, I, I stand firm. I don't know how to work it. It's not actually turned on in any way. I'm just like, it's sharp. Whatever. Fuck you. It's his brain all over it. This yeah, is it's a set from hell. Deal with it. Oh my god. I, I yell out, it's not used for irrigation. That's true. Yeah, that was a lie. Right. Let me apologize first. That was a fib. Secondly, what the fuck is this thing? And you better call it. <laughs> okay. Um, so why don't you try rolling for that? Okay. Let's see what happens. Am I just rolling in general? You're rolling for manipulate oh, to see okay. how effective your intimidation cool, tactics cool, are. Cool, cool. So that's some pretty good manipulation right there. Um, yeah, they're pretty much going to do it without any. Uh, so uh, the kid says, "It's okay, okay, Daddy, stop, stop, Daddy." Uh, the monster's on fire and True. doesn't listen to anything. Oh, it's completely yeah. distracted <laughs> by the fire, but all of its armor is like melted off of it at cool, this point. Cool, cool. Yeah. All mm -hmm. right. I want to attack it. Great. I want to just go for a natural attack. The armor's down. Great. So what attack are you using? Uh, teeth. Teeth, which are three harm. Intimate. intimate. So yeah, you're gonna need to kind of leap onto this guy. He's like seven feet tall, so you're gonna need to like... That's fine. Okay. Okay. So you leap onto him, and you do deal the uh, the three harm there successfully. Uh, the guy's on fire, um, so you're automatically going to take one harm from that. Um, and then because he's still flailing around and you're now intimate with him, um, he's going to attempt to just swing at you while he's Not on the you there. This monster's attacking like shit, so you don't... <laughs> He's only been awake for like five minutes. Like he was napping down there, and now he's on fire five minutes later. It's really rough. I understand. You wake up. Why is there a drill to your head? Oh my god, I'm on fire. Yeah. All right. Um. So who do we got? I think. Um. Is it? Yeah. Action scientist. Are we uh, looking at you next? I think. We got a monster that's, I'd say, on the ropes at this point. Well, then... Sounds like he's uh, ready for a DDT. Oh! <laughs> oh! I like where that's going. Yeah, I think we're gonna, uh... We're just gonna go ahead and have to atomic pistol him one more time. Okay, what's the stats on the atomic pistol again? Uh, uh, cancer after this. It's <laughs> <laughs> or... Well, how close? Because now the mount monster's turned to him. How close am I to the monster? It is close range for the pistol. Is, is it? Or, yeah. I'd say you're just out of close. You're in within medium. So if anything, it's okay. got like a medium uh, range on it. Laser cannon. Too hard. Oh, far. Let me go and put this pistol away. Sure. That's silly. All right. Excellent. Let's see what this does. <laughs> so you got your laser cannon out. 
Well, I was drilling a hole in the girl's brain while you guys fought a monkey, so forgive me. <laughs> He's like, guys, it wasn't a boner after all. <laughs> it, I wasn't happy to see you. It was my laser cannon. <laughs> I also like the idea of it being like untested for some reason. Like, all right, yeah. let's give this a shot then. <laughs> let's see what this does. Uh, so two harm, far range, quiet takes batteries. Okay, so let's fire it. Yep, so we're going to fire this off. Is it like Metal Gear Solid style? Uh, or we just... Pulling it out of there. Yeah. Do you still have that plus one? Plus one to tough, so that gives me a six. But what about the forward? That, uh, that yes, I can use that forward to give me a seven. Okay, so then you successfully launch off two harm on this guy with a blow from the laser pistol, and you watch uh, Father Vladescu stumble, sort of, you know, clap out one of his enormous hands down on his knee for a second. He's He's on his very last legs, so, uh... All right, well, let's see it then, baby. attempt the Serpent Snap DDT. Okay. So I'm gonna roll for tough. Remember, you have a plus one. Which I have a plus three in tough. Plus the four and plus one, so I have a plus four going into this. Excellent. Hope I don't shit the bed on this. <laughs> Red Viper comes running up, grabs the fucking monster, lifts him up in the air, the strength of fucking ten men, fucking slam on his back over Red Viper's knee, flips him over, and DDTs him right under the beautiful hardwood floor. And, when, two, and when you flip him over, is he head first heading to the ground? Yes, he's head. Great. So with that amazing move, um, as yeah. you slam into the ground, his head upon making contact with the ground just explodes. And blood sprays all over Blood and Vasile. brain squirt right over Vasile. And Elena kind of walks back into the room to be like, is everything concluding in here? And she gets like splattered with a bunch of blood yes. and brains Perfect. as well and skull Perfect. fragments. So, um, <laughs> great. So uh, how do you want to round out here with these two blood and brain matter covered uh, people? Can, can we like find out what the backstory was of this? Or were we just getting up and be like, well, that seemed to have solved itself. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like, That's up to you, I guess. <laughs> if you want to talk to him, Vasil just starts week. crying. He's bawling I'm at, at this point. I'm going downstairs to check out his little cave. Sure. I like this. Sure. Well, I kind of... Vasil was a dick, but as a fellow scientist, I understand. Science is not racist. Are you going to adopt this? <laughs> oh my god, you're going to adopt this kid? Not so fast. He can be part of your team. He, he I, I am a squad. man of action. You found your science squad. Well, if I'm able to have a science squad at some point, I would absolutely bring the intelligence on this child to create <laughs> such a beast. He drew some really kick-ass circles with charcoal. You're right. No Fantastic. regular kid to do that. Well, okay, so if Lowe's and Jeffy are going to go downstairs... I say, Xavier, you talk to the kid. Try I'm to, talk to comfort the boy. I'm going to talk to Elena and see if I can figure out well, what exactly was this. Seems like you and Elena are making a real bond here. Well, he's going to adopt a kid. I'm going to fuck the shit out of this babushka <laughs> right here. As, as I'm going downstairs and we get that telepathic communication that he wants to fuck the babushka, <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I say save me the sloppy seconds. Oh yes, my god, yes. Well, no, and you, you keyword sloppy and here with all the blood and brains. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like so, Red Viper gets up, undoes the fucking dress shirt, which is now just disgusting. <laughs> fucking takes that off. Awkward Josh Brolin, old man ripped body. <laughs> Flings the shirt down and just kind of sits on the couch for a second and just goes, So what was this exactly? So, so Elena comes and sits next to you and, and, and she says, When Vasil found out what happened, he wasn't just heartbroken, he was filled with a rage I've never seen before. He wanted vengeance against that man, that scientist, that bison god. He's responsible for the death of his mama, his papa. And all my little Vasil wanted was revenge. He tried to give it. He hoped if he could send his father up to that castle to destroy that man, strangle him with his bare hands, then Vasil would be able to sleep at night again. That's all he wanted. Before you all came in here and ruined everything. DDT. You know, we, I know we, uh, maybe had some miscommunications here. I'll say. But, uh, if you can answer me just one more question, I promise my team and I will okay. leave you be. But I need you to be truthful here. Okay. When you told me. Yes. That lightning was this creature's weakness. Was that a fibby? Or was that truth? <laughs> I forget. Oh, you forget? <laughs> That's what I thought. And then uh, Red Viper picks her up and power bombs her through the fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's. Well, stuck like olive oil, like legs hanging out of the couch. Yes. Um, not and dead. Not, not dead, dead. just not dead. unconscious. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, anything you want to say to Fasil before you part ways here? I feel like we have to uh, put him somewhere in the ground. Because this kid just figured out how to reanimate no. corpses and create some kind of hell beast. Now here's the thing. To can, now here's the thing. The kill the doctor! Yeah, he shouldn't have had such good security measures. <laughs> the dipshits who were working while he was sleeping in the middle of the night got themselves killed. That's clearly his fault. I mean, I guess to you're welcome to do that if you really want to. Let's go one step out. Okay. Can we torch this whole town? This place, <laughs> we really, this is, that mayor is gonna what be. What mayor do? Hearing this from downstairs, I'd throw my shotgun. It's still like got the magical fire around it, so you're welcome to you know pick it up and do whatever. By the way, just to cut down there real quick, um, uh, you're looking around and all you see is just like poop, like just, <laughs> like, just collective like giant, enormous, like bigger than a horse's like turds from this big creature <laughs> that's just so been nothing to investigate. Yeah. To investigate. It's all over your shoes now, though. Power source at all. Um, the power source, um, it was, so, so, not actually where he's kept, um, uh, there's, there is another, uh, area down there, if you want to investigate, that's got his lab, where you see, like, Without the, poop. 
There's no poop in there. Um, but it's <laughs> but yes, down below there is the other area where the where the creature was actually made, and that's got the um, mechanism he used. Like it's just it's basically Doctor Frankenstein setup. It's you know yeah. the full power outages to just like overload electricity into this creature's neurons and uh, bring it back to life. I want to give him some money to you know do this, uh, and uh, I'm going to tell him that he should use his projects for good and uh, bring back that little girl that his dad killed. Hmm. Well, she might be evil. We're going to have to come back and <laughs> end her. No, no, no. She's got a hole in her. Head. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, the anger came out when you killed that. Hole. If she yeah. rampages the town, that's not our problem. That's a great point. So, <laughs> I was going to say I would like to speak to Vasil and just tell him I'm not mad at you, son, for what you did. You're a man of science, and, and science can forgive. Maybe you can use your talents with the doctor up on the hill and come up with some kind of solution. And take this. It's a communicator. Maybe one day you can join my team, become a man of action. He's, he's crying, but he is sort of just looking up at you. And it's difficult to read in his eyes uh, what he's thinking, but you can tell there's there's some pondering, consideration. He's not quite sure what to do next, but he takes the communicator from you and he just sort of stands there. And, uh, little Vasil, one final thing. If you fucking do this again, <laughs> she's fucking gonna bite your goddamn head off, all right? And a very intense eye contact, by the way. Okay. Roll for intimidation. Yeah. <laughs> sure. If you want to roll for it. Shits his pants. Yeah. Let's yeah. roll to see if he shits his pants. He shit him a little bit. Yeah. He, it's like a little. It's like a very wet fart. You pooped a little. Okay. So yeah, he's got a very very wet fart. You can kind of smell it a little, and you're like, okay. So great. Um. So uh, I don't know how one of you is sort of sensing this. Uh, maybe it's uh, Jeff. Or um, or uh, Lowe's here, but they're they're sensing that maybe you should return to just talk to Doctor Bisengold about like this mystery being wrapped up here. Oh, if you'd like to do that, well, well, I was gonna say we want to definitely talk to Bisengold and the mayor as well, and Mr. Servant, maybe even Mr. Servant. Give him give definitely him some peace no of mind. for Mr. Servant. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I can read people, he does not want to see us. <laughs> We found out we, we avenged his daughter. Actually, yeah, we should go see Servant first. Yeah, because we basically just <laughs> screwed about his whole life. And by the way, I don't know if you forgot, I talked his wife into divorcing him. But, but I don't know this, if you remember that. He reason. doesn't know yet, though. We can suggest <laughs> that he brings the corpse of his dead daughter to the kid and see if he Yeah, let's all play in God's domain. Let's take loose. I say we just... Leave them we to like, their quaint little ways. Yeah, I'm saying we set fire to this whole place. We <laughs> ruined this town. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, let's talk to Bisongold and then we'll hit everybody on the way out. All right, all right. Okay. We'll kiss babies and sign autographs and burn shit on the way out. So you go to Bisongold. We cut. You're in his castle again. Thank you guys so much. I, you know, I, I had heard that there was something mysterious going down. And I tried to keep out of the villagers' affairs. They don't think very highly of me. I, I can't imagine why. Um, but I, I'm happy that it seems that you've almost uh, cleared my name of this, this girl's murder, of my involvement in any way. And, and so to, to thank you, I have something here for you all. And he brings out this giant metal case 
and he opens it up, and inside are, are four weapons and four jewels. And uh, what I've got for you guys is um, a ranking of how you all did comparatively in this game, and that'll choose kind of who gets to choose first of what you're getting here. So laying in the box is um, a crossbow, um, and that's uh, they're all uh, uh, three harm, by the way. Um, uh, but it's a crossbow a revolver, a whip, and a sword. Uh, the crossbow and the revolver are far, uh, the whip and the sword are close in terms of uh, your proximity for damage. Um, so uh, it's actually, it's, it's, it's gotta go to Xavier for uh, most successful this round for all of his various machines and uh, atomic pistoling. This so you the cerebral boy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> science fair projects. Let's set it up for a win. Because my game plan, like if there's a big monster, I'm just gonna bore it. <laughs> so you get first choice of uh, the weapons there. Uh do I have to take a weapon or can I go for a gem? Do I get to You get both actually. I get both. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay. All three harm. Let me think. So you've got a revolver already. You got a shotgun. My man over here is going with the hands. He throws hands. Uh, let me go with the revolver. Revolver. All right. Excellent. And then so of the guns and more guns. Of the on a revolver. That's true. I'll have a refreshing piece of Okay. Of the four um, gems that you're seeing there, there are four different colors. One is a fiery red. One is an icy blue. One is a poisonous green, and one is an electric yellow. So you get to take one of them. Mm -hmm. Fiery red, icy blue, poisonous green, electric yellow. That's right. Damn. Mm -hmm. Go. And Xavier probably has a boner again at this point. Like yeah, looking in the case. I was gonna say, <laughs> my God, the science. Uh, fiery red. Fiery red, excellent. So um, as you pick up the gem and the weapon, um, Dr. Bisengold explains to you, uh, these gems are designed to enchant these very weapons, so you now have a fire-enchanted revolver here. Now, because of the power of it, you can only use it once per combat, it'll need time to recharge, but it's now at your disposal, permanently. Um, and so I'm gonna give number two to uh, our girl Jeffy, not only for distracting uh, the doctor there, but for some very vicious attacks and for a final blow on Maimutsa, the rape ape. So uh, you get uh, for, so you get second choice of weapon there. Uh, poison whip, please. Poison whip, there it is. I like that. Um, and then let's see the finishing blow on our on our our big bad of this episode, um, chanted by the other hunters. Uh, I definitely True. have to give it up to you there. Red Viper. So uh, left is going to be the sword and the crossbow with uh, an icy blue gem and an electric yellow gem. Um, I feel like I gotta go with the uh, yellow sword. Yellow sword. sword. Excellent. So that leaves you with an icy blue crossbow for uh, for our boy. Now, um, so you'll notice there's a little bit of parallels with these weapons. So um, fire and poison are both damage over time effects, and uh, ice and electric are both stun effects. Um, and then, of course, you've got the close and the far. So it's a nice parallel. You guys are bouncing each other out there. Um, excellent. So Bisengold... Uh, kind of awkwardly approaches uh, you all and tries to give you like a group hug and he's trying to like reach in and get like a little nipple like brush 
you know, in the Watch meantime. Uh, um, he's, wow, I, I, you guys are great. Glancing at my <laughs> yes, and he's from staring, and he's trying to kind of get his like thigh up next to mm. it. Um, so, so there you go. So um, we all go to wander out. Yes, I'm the last to follow, and I go, hey, uh, Doctor Eddie, one more thing. Uh, now you mentioned that you had heard about some mysterious creature that was going around your village, but when I asked you earlier. If you had heard about a monster and you said no, was that truthful? Or was that a fibby? <laughs> Listen, Red Viper, I'm a big fan of yours. So I definitely I definitely serpent sent DDT. Which makes his fucking dead. True. He's when he wakes up, it's going to be a huge <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You you serpent snap DDT him, he wakes up to a sign. Uh, oh, I go fucking has, yeah, yeah, full autograph. Dan from Street Fighter style. Or uh, fucking Johnny Cage. I love can I, can I take a picture of him doing the, the serpentine? Yeah, of, of course you can. And then we'll print that out. Oh, that's definitely a new flyer. There you that's go. Definitely yeah. a new flyer. <laughs> Excellent. Oh Perfect. my god, that's it. He prints it out as a flyer. We post it around town, and Romania's first WrestleFest has the biggest turnout. Because everyone in the village hates that fucking doctor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, it sounds like everything's wrapping up here. Is there anything else you guys want to do in town before you go on your merry way? Uh, I still want to suggest to uh, Mr. Servin that he should bring his daughter over to the very... I was going to say... Uh, we send him a fruit... Ezekiel leaves him a fruit basket. Okay. And it says, maybe bring the dead kid over to the weird kid. <laughs> he, he opens, he sees the fruit basket, he picks it up, and he just says out loud to no one, I'll get you all. If it's the last thing I'll do, I'll get you all. Perfect. So as you guys are leaving town, you maybe agree that... We you guys never did it. show up here again. <laughs> we can never come back yeah. here. We, we and then, bad yell for you. Well, well bad that too. But, but that despite your various mistakes and flaws, that guys did a pretty bang up job. Maybe you guys should be a team. Yeah. What do you think? Romania WrestleFest? Yeah. Ooh. That's where we're out. Yeah, we got yeah, it. Well, yeah, we got like, Everyone's getting VIP passes, obviously. <laughs> like, oh. And then we all just. Pile into the limo of course. with Ezekiel drinks ice down. Ready to go. Oh, Zeke's the man. Zeke's the man. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Excellent. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.